Testing, testing, one, two, three. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. This is called the third wheel, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not third wheelers or whatever. Yeah, third, the third wheel. It's the best sounding one, obviously. Welcome to another episode of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron Conway. And today we're here for episode seven. And we have a, a lovely guest called Gina. And I'll let her introduce herself because I'm sure she's super excited to do so. Well, I've never been called lovely before. Not quite like that. I'm saving myself from the shots you're going to send. No, I'm going to rein it in. I'm going to rein it in. So yeah, I'm Gina. I obviously know Hamish and Aaron from University of Warwick. So we've known each other now. I've known Aaron anyway for like five years now, I think. Which is yeah, quite a long well. time. I know. I feel like our relationship has blossomed, of course, over the years. Don't you agree? Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounded yeah. resolute. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So um, at Warwick, I studied film and English literature. So I always kind of really, really loved film. And I think you'll probably work out over the course of this podcast that I still really, really love film. And I actually work um, within the kind of cinema film industry now. Uh, it's been a bit up and down the last couple of years since graduating. But, you know, it started to started to plateau a little bit, starting to get there, I think. Although not quite, you know, the first couple of years out of uni is tough, as we all know, I'm sure. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much me. All cinema and Warwick, pretty much. <laughs> So as we can see, we just got another guest that lives with Aaron. It doesn't seem that we have many friends outside of Aaron's housemates. <laughs> yeah, we're just cycling through all I, my I, old housemates. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm sure you'll start to get to a point where they, they run out and you'll have to try and, you know, look a little further. Yeah. You know, they might they might refuse to come on, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> it's worth asking. You never know. So, yeah, me and Gina lived together in first year, second year and third year. University. Well, technically, we didn't actually live together in first year, did we, Aaron? No, you we actually didn't. were a corridor above and you kind of whittled your way in to our little group, didn't you? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> beg, <laughs> beg. <to do> that. <laughs> You're like a little, little weasel, aren't you? A little weasel. Yeah. Uh, nice, we were very nice welcoming, weasel. though, to be fair, weren't yeah, we? Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was a good weasel. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as good as a weasel can be. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's up to you whether you think weasels are actually any good or not, but. Yeah, no, it was it was nice actually in first year. I feel like both of our corridors where we were, you know, because we were very separate, but we kind of came together pretty quickly actually, and we all started mixing together a lot. And then you came and lived with us in yeah. second year, and then like a couple of people from my corridor ended up living with people from your corridor yeah. for second and third year. So we all kind of ended up mixing and matching quite a lot, and it's, it's a quite bit of an exchange. Yeah, I was saying actually that. I don't I, like. I don't think that many people from university are actually still really, really good mates with people they lived with in first year. So I think yeah. we're quite unusual, actually, that we still see each other and actually still quite good friends. Because I don't think I don't think it's that common. Like most people tend to find really good mates in second and third year, and then they kind of they relax into their social situation a little bit more. Whereas I think we actually formed pretty good friendships straight away, which is really nice. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like Hamish, do you keep in contact with any of your housemates? None of them. I haven't spoken to them for at least three years. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> the only ones I keep in touch with, I guess, or like see is like my fourth year ones, but yeah. my first year ones, no. Second year ones, I think I, w I would keep in touch with one of them. Like, or we would mm. like, maybe meet up in the future, but I don't think that there's much. What, what was th This is a really warwick yeah. question, and I, I'm sorry for this for anyone who didn't yeah. go to Warwick. But what accommodation were you in again? Heron Bank. Oh, but yeah. For yeah. anyone who didn't go to Warwick, nobody lived I just in had a flat that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a flat that like didn't go out. So on the first two no. nights, I just went out by myself. I'm like, fuck this, yeah. Like, oh, I ain't gonna. Wild boy. It's yeah. weird though with Warwick though, and with university in general, because I was actually back there last weekend, and I hadn't been back for a good year or so. And the last time I went back a year ago. 
I kind of still felt quite studenty. I kind of still felt a bit like, oh yeah, I relate to these guys. I really, I relate to these students. And then we got kind of there last weekend, and I was suddenly like, oh no, like I'm not, I'm not one of these people anymore. I'm, I'm just not a student now. I'm an adult, and I just felt so old and so like horrible. But it's really weird how you just start to develop and you just start to just not feel like part of that community anymore. It's kind of sad. It makes me feel old. Forever twenty one. I wish. I wish forever twenty one. I don't know. I I still feel kind of studenty that's because you'll never grow in height like (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that correlates to whether i feel a studenty or not but what about you do you feel feel studenty then what 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 is it that makes you say that i know i guess i've it's only i've only been a year out of university and even then that's true because you obviously did a master's yeah yeah, and for that year i was in america where i was kind of like living by myself with a bunch of people i didn't know at the beginning which is quite university like isn't it yeah it was kind of similar to be honest and then I've came back here and I haven't got like a full-time job, so. No, he's just mincing around, you know, doing what he wants, making yes. podcasts. I'm, I'm living the life, Honestly. living the good life. The life Relaxing. of millennials, hey? This is why nobody likes us. <laughs> you know, but if uh, anyone's listening and wants to employ me, you know, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll come flooding in all the offers yeah. after that. Wait, Aaron, do we not have a voice note to play or is it too early to play it? I don't know what your plan is with that. Me and Hamish have actually made some new friends in the community, in the podcast community. That's and, exciting. Um, yeah, Julie, roll the clip. Hey, it's Stephanie here. I'm one half of the Beyond Reproach podcast coming at you from across the pond, mate. Yes, I heard myself. And yes, I am ashamed. We connected with our pals at the Third Wheel online, you know, where everyone meets. We, too, are a fairly new podcast about scandals and scandalousness in politics and government each episode we explore the sordid details of america's past all while drinking heavily talking too much and generally making fools of ourselves we hope that these stories entertain you teach you a thing or two and maybe even draw parallels between the mistakes of the past and the quagmire that is american politics today we have a similar sort of vibe with aaron and hamish and that my co-host and i our best friends in every episode, we do give a window into our world. However, instead of bringing on a third wheel for a chat, Tux, my co-host and I, we talk historical scandals on our full episodes, and then we talk culture and politics with our listeners on our mini episodes. And you can find us wherever podcasts are found. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Um, we, we be out here in these streets, as the kids say, we, we are Brooklyn based and, and easy to find. So yeah, come, come find us. Um, yeah. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, that was, uh, yeah, that was Stephanie from the podcast Beyond Reproach. So we actually reached out together on Reddit the other day and did a bit of cross promotion. So if you go onto their channel, you'll find a little clip that I recorded about uh, technology that they played on their podcast. So yeah, go give them a listen. I've had a listen to a few of their podcasts and they actually seem pretty similar in like a lot of the kind of casual conversation kind of style of a podcast they are. So yeah, definitely give it a check out. Okay. So back to... So, the star of the show, yeah. as they say. <laughs> so yeah, Gina, you spent some time working on a radio station at Warwick University. I so. did, yeah. It was it was a, definitely a massive part of my university experience. I only really came to it in second year. A really good friend of mine, uh, Joe Wheatley, 
was already involved in the radio. He kind of got involved in first year because he knew it was something that he really wanted to do. And then in second year, he became head of arts, uh, which obviously like within uh, all the societies at university, you have your executive committees. And so he was on that and he was head of arts. And he was saying, oh, you know, I've got to do an art show uh, every week and I just don't really know who to have as a co-host. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, well, Joe. It should be me, of course. <laughs> so we started up that and it was really, really good fun. And then at the end of that second year at university, I ended up going for head of arts and I got that. So I was head of arts in third year. But yeah, it was so much fun. Like I, I definitely, we were talking about making friends in first year earlier. And like that was a massive part of, um, that was a massive part of university life. But definitely for me, radio was was a second big part of, of university life because I definitely made some of my best friends at radio and I still see them a lot today. And they're all doing so well as well. That's, that's yeah. I mean, it's great. It's very annoying, but it's great. They're all doing really, really well as well. They're all very successful people. You sound so bitter. <laughs> oh, no, no bitterness here. Honestly, it's all great. It's all great. But Joe in particular is doing very well as well. He's, he's Are you just- mad they're doing bitter than you? Better than me. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> What's weird though is that they've all gone on to be really successful in whatever it is that they're doing, but they all do very different things, like all within entertainment. But, you know, one's in TV, one's in kind of entertainment radio, one's in journalism, one's in p- political radio. You know, so they all do very, what well, some are in music. So they've all gone on to do very different things, which is nice because it doesn't, it means there are no direct comparisons, which is kind of what you want. You don't want to be like directly compared to somebody. Um, so yeah, yeah, they're all doing really well actually which is nice i guess because they all do they all mostly do different degrees you're in kind of i know you and joe did the yeah joe and i we did the same degree exactly the same that's why we were already friends but other than that i mean most people were doing humanities for sure a lot of history students um and english and things like that Uh, there were a few and you know kind of engineering type people but they tended to do the more techie side of radio obviously because there is a lot of tech involved in radio which i would not have a clue about like don't let me go anywhere near the tech um so they kind of yeah the engineering and maths students tend to do tend to do a bit more like that but yeah very, quite quite a variety of people and all different age groups as well that's kind of what's nice is within a society you tend to meet people who are in different year groups and different ages which is kind of nice as well it was yeah, really nice. good yeah you actually introduced me to raw you got me a gig redesigning their logo i did didn't so, i i know yeah, I, put, I thought i put that like cheeky little plug in there for myself you know well also like just proving what a fantastic friend I am. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, actually, I know somebody who's rather good at designing. So, uh, yeah, you did a really good job. They were all so pleased with that. Like it was, And it was a big change as well. Like the Raw brand had definitely become quite outdated. Yeah. The Radio radio Warwick is what we call it Raw, um, had become quite outdated and it just looked very kind of 2003. <laughs> and you really updated it in a really, really cool way. And they yes. still got it now. That's what's so funny is whenever it pops up now, even though we've, you know, I left two years ago, it's still exactly the same. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, uh, it's definitely probably one of my biggest and like probably favorite projects uh, that I did. So yeah, just go check them out. Check out the logo I designed. And yeah, if anyone out there wants to employ me from that. You really are just plugging yourself the whole time, aren't you? Aaron's really trying to get a job. So Aaron, what exactly do you do? You redesign (laughs) logos, rebrand, help rebrand, I guess. He does everything. Uh, Yeah, I do. You redesign websites. He's a man of many talents. Yeah, make podcasts. It's fine. Mm-hmm. anything anything you want i can do it yeah so yeah i mean that was yeah a really nice project worked on it with a few of the other members of raw hmm. you started to get know, get to know them quite well actually yeah i think actually won like won an sra i think uh, it did like, yeah again we we were at the sras a couple of years ago now so it feels like a long time um it was this time a couple of years ago yeah because there was one recently actually yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, yeah great great time at the student radio awards such fun um 
but yeah, we did. We did win something for that, and you know, I think obviously a big, a big, a lot of that credit goes to you for sure. Um, they did a really good job. Yeah, I, it was so weird though. Now with with radio at Warwick, is that I just don't know anybody who's there anymore and it's so strange mm. to have something that was so close to your heart and something that you cared about so much and meant so much to you whilst you were at uni is now something that you just completely don't recognize you know i don't know any of the people who are running the studio like running the station anymore and that's that's kind of strange at least you could like say that you helped revolutionize it because without you technically there would have been no aaron to rebrand it you know what i think that's spot on hamish you, you, know, I, I actually, you know what i actually don't think raw would still be going if it weren't for my influence <laughs> I think many would say that. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't know who, but <laughs> many, I reckon many. we could find one or two. You know, somewhere. Yeah. Hamish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just say. Um, yeah. So you 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 had experience on radio and speaking live <laughs> in this kind of environment. Speaking. Any. Uh, yeah. I know. Any advice you'd give to us as podcast makers now? I mean, I think that you guys seem to be doing a really good job, to be honest. I mean, it's. I mean, when we were at Raw, we were so young, and we could, you could don't really know what you're doing most of the time. I do think planning is a huge part of it. You know, planning. I was not the best planner when I was on radio, but Joe, again, who I worked with quite a lot on quite a lot of different shows, because he cared about it so much and he was very professional. He did a lot of planning and he put a lot of work into the show plan and the different links and yes, you know nice. quizzes and things like that. And I think that you could just tell when a show was well organized and it makes such a huge difference but I think other than that you know everything about podcasting and, and radio and stuff is about the dynamic that you're creating you know if you get on well with your co-host if you feel like you work really really well together and there's just this kind of spark between you then that that's what that's what really really matters I think so yeah I think it's all about that I think technically you're doing pretty well like your tech is good on that side of things you guys are doing well I like the point that I caught it don't worry Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Also, have you listened to any of the previous episodes? Uh, this no. is a put you, put you on the spot. <laughs> this is this is what, what kind of guests we have. I, I did start listening to James's the other day. James Robinson was on fairly recently. I did start listening to his the other day, and then um, I I was at work, so suddenly I had more work to do, so I had to stop. So suddenly, I did. I know suddenly <laughs> there was like some work that I had to do. Blah, you know, on a Friday morning, what the hell? But uh, yeah, so I, I had to stop. But I've listened to I've listened to little segments of all of them oh, okay. you know so wait good. do you think we should actually post clips because we've been contemplating like posting clips potentially like from each episode oh i think that's a great idea yeah. oh you think I, we should? Well, you've already been posting yeah, maybe, kind of 30 yeah. second snippets haven't you i think clips are a really good wait, idea actually he means like long like actually five like, minute clips or yeah like five minute clips, well, like five minute clips. Yeah. i think or that's like a, a great idea i think you really should because sometimes people like the idea of listening to a full kind of two-hour episode can be a bit overwhelming and if you just say oh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna give you a little tidbit of information, you know, just a five minute section. I think that's a really, really good thing to do because it means they can just, I, mean, I really enjoyed listening to the 30 second clips that you've posted online. I think that was really nice. It gave me a little bit of a flavor for it. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. You should go for it. Which has been your favorite clip so far? <laughs> James's, James has made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a little bit of a political one because he was kind of talking about Brexit and you were talking about the European Commission, I think, and you were giving him a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I think he got the question wrong. <laughs> so he was like, oh, God, well, that makes me look like a twat. And I just, it's just because he is so certain of his yeah. answer. It you know, was a classic like... James. It was fantastic. So that made me laugh. But I, Anna's, Anna, um, Anna obviously did a little clip about the Capri Sun incident, which <laughs> yeah. if you haven't heard before, go to Anna's podcast because it's a wonderful story and it's very strange and it makes Aaron look very odd. Based on a true story. <laughs> true story. You know, you should make a film about that. How often are movies good. based on a true story? 
I don't know, fairly often. I thought Gina would know. Oh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> I was thinking about my cup of tea. As always, she's not listening to us. So. No. Well, I mean, to be honest, Hamish sometimes does talk very like fast for me. And yeah. I've, I've got quite bad hearing as yeah, it is. I, I do. Sorry you know? about that. Exactly. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. What was your question to me, Hamish? <laughs> Basically, I was trying to just transition by saying... How many movies are based on true stories? Oh, a huge number. I don't have the yeah. statistic, but it's, it's a frustrating number. You're just supposed to know the exact number. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's, it's 73%. I thought it should be yeah. quite knowledgeable. I mean, we give our statistics some ratio being correct on this podcast is very, yeah, this very thing, I would not want to offer a statistic <laughs> because uh, no doubt it would be wrong. And, you know, I will get in trouble. Um, but I, you know a lot a lot though like I think what's one of the things that I find so frustrating actually about the film industry at the moment is so many of the films that are coming out in particular from studios obviously are kind of franchise films or prequels sequels things like that and then so many are biopics and based on true stories there's a huge difference between based on true story and biopic I think biopics are obviously biographical pictures so that you get them all the time and I find them a bit dull after a while to be honest what is a biopic sorry I'm not knowledgeable in so, like this. so a biographical Graphical picture is literally a, a, a film about a famous person, basically, also, or just or just about a person. But they tend to be about famous people because you know generally people don't really so care like if they're not famous. Like an autobiography or so, but a, yeah. a movie. Oh. But you know things like the Imitation Game, which game, which Benedict Cumberbatch did, where he played Anna, Alan Turing. No, or well, recently, obviously, Bohemian. That's, that's Hamish. That doesn't know. Yeah, I do I know. Say, <laughs> Aaron knows. To put out there, Bohemian Rhapsody, which was obviously yeah. a really big one last year about Queen and about uh, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, although Rocket Man's different, you know, because obviously that's a fantasy. Music musical although okay. it's about elton john have so you did you see class- rocket man yeah, yeah, yeah you did yeah so although it technically kind of is a biographical picture biopic because it's about somebody famous because they completely redefined the uh, format of the film by making it this kind of musical fantasy okay. they completely rejigged the storyline rejigged the chronology of his music it, it it felt very different to other biopics like i think biopics can often just be really stuffy and very predictable and you're just like oh yeah i've seen this a million times whereas i think rocket man was a really good one because they really spiced it up i really liked that the way that they did that yeah rocket man was probably one of my favorite films of the year i think it was probably was for me actually like yeah. i mean it was it's right up there for sure i mean i see quite a variety of films so it's kind of hard to pinpoint like a favorite film of the year i think but rocket man's probably up there definitely just for the amount of enjoyment yeah. you didn't see rocket man then did you i've not actually been the amount of movies i watched this year in particular has been cut down severely like even though is that I've, have you watched anything this year yeah the marvel movies oh i knew it was fan. gonna be that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I like Fast and Furious, but I hate the spin-off that they released recently. And then I just haven't, I don't watch horror movies, so I haven't been going out with my friends to watch. These no movies. horror movies? I don't like horror movies. Uh, you got to teach yourself to like them, you know, because some of them are really good. It's not like, I'll say, it's not the scariness that bothers me, it's just that my I overthink things. Like, if yeah. people already it's after, I think, in my head, it just stays there, and, yeah. it, and I can't have that. But I get that, because with horror films, I, I used to be so, so bad with them. <laughs> I could not watch them. And I went to a play once where it was like a horror, a horror horror play horror theater production and i honestly that night had all of the lights on in my bedroom i had the tv on i had the radio on i had my phone playing music like i just could not i was so wired because i was just so terrified and i got to a point where i genuinely just could not watch anything horror like film tv anything and then at university i was like actually you know what i have to do something about this because if you're a film fan to not be able to watch horror films is a really big deal because they make up a lot of what's out there in the cinema so i, d- I took a module in third year called horror and the gothic where every single week i had to watch 
watch like two mm. or three horror films and it was horrible but it did get me to a point whereby I can now actually watch them and enjoy them horrible oh, horrible <laughs> yeah no I'm not joking I think in the space of that of that term where I was watching three horror films a week I genuinely had heart heart palpitations like my heart was just on a constant palpitation for that yeah. for that kind of eight week period yeah. I don't think it's like that that kind of fear that I have I think it's like because I already don't sleep well so like if I keep having like maybe I'd have nightmares or so maybe that means I'm scared I guess but um, if I keep having nightmares that means I have less sleep which is mm. a bit of an issue so I basically just avoid horror movies I also think the, the less sleep you have the more your mind plays tricks on you so it's yeah, kind so. of like a vicious circle of getting worse and worse and more and more horrified yeah so if I don't like it I might as well not put myself yeah. through it but there's no doubt there are some really good horror films out there. Like this year, this year there have been a few good ones. I know Midsummer was a really big one. Did, did you guys? You didn't see? Well, obviously you didn't, Hamish. The last I, I wouldn't one really I say I've seen a horror film this year. This year, I don't think so. Do you ever watch horror films? I haven't really seen a horror film that I'm like, oh, this storyline's really good. Okay, but you know have you? I mean? Okay, but which ones and have I'm you not watched? <laughs> conjuring. The Conjuring. The, the Conjuring. Which one? <laughs> there are That's a few classic, of them. Aaron. Uh, which one? There was like a few of them. I, I watched think, the first I think one. The two, number two. Yeah. See, I've never watched The Conjuring, so I wouldn't uh, know about that. But there are some really good ones. Like The Babadook is obviously kind of a classic one that came out quite a few years ago from Australia, which is really good. Like if you, I think if you were going to watch okay. a really good horror film, I would start with The Babadook. Okay. Like if you were going to kind of go on your horror education. Obviously, some people would say The Exorcist, which is fine. You know, The Exorcist is all right. But personally, I think The Babadook is a really, really good film. So that's What's where that I would start. So it's basically about a... There's a, there's a single mother and she has quite a young son and it kind of starts out where the son's just being a bit odd and then it kind of gets to a point where you feel like he might actually be like a demon because he's just a nightmare and then they start they basically start being visited by this really creepy dark monster figure which is called like the Babadook and they kind of get this this weird pop-up book shows up on their doorstep with pictures and images of this creepy monster and it kind of goes from there and it develops but the whole point of it is it's all kind of quite allegorical allegorical so quite you know it's all basically like a big metaphor for something much deeper and much darker within the human psyche you know I don't want to give it away because I feel like if people haven't seen it there's quite a lot that gets revealed over the course of the film but it's good like there's a lot of there's a lot in it about mental health which I think is really fascinating because the most important thing in horror films is to try and relate something about human beings you know or what what really scares human beings and that's, I think this film works really well because something that a lot of people are struggling with now is, you know, mental health problems and they don't necessarily know how to deal with those demons. And I think this film reflects it really, really well. So yeah, that's, I think it's, it's worth watching. Definitely. Yeah. Now that sounds like a more complex kind of horror film than I'm Those are the best ones. Yeah. That's the thing. Like the, the horror films that I'm just not bothered about are the ones where it's just like, yeah, some like ghost in the corner and it pops out and you're like, ooh, <laughs> ooh that was scary. Of the ones I've seen, I I think I've seen Mommy or Mom or something like that. There was a, I don't remember the exact name of it. The Mummy. No, no, it was the No, not the mummy. I think that's a very different film. I think it was Amer they pronounced it the American way you say like I think it's mommy or something. Like mommy. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And then I watched it, the first one. Oh yeah, okay. what did you think but of it? Actually, I think it it was a pretty like decent but yeah, as I said, I don't, I'm not a horror fan. Didn't one of those come out this year as well? Yeah, it too. It okay. chapter two came out, which I did see. It wasn't as good as the first one. I think the first one was better. Personally. After seeing like the it, I mean it. So I came to uni like I think the weekend right after, and then basically someone had just. I was waiting. I was coming down to Lem hmm. um, for a night out, I believe, and someone had basically at the bus stop 
had a red balloon like like every few gutters tied yeah, it to the gutter that's horrible. and it was just like, hanging out and i was like fuck my life. and it was like dark as well because it's winter i was just like fuck my life yeah. for anyone who hasn't seen it like watch it and you'll understand why the red balloon yeah. is so creepy <laughs> that's really creepy actually i do not respect them for doing that yeah. it's not nice when i was in san francisco we binged a couple a few of us in the house we binged haunting of hill house yes what did you think I, of that? i love that because you know I the second season's really coming out quite yeah, soon yeah. and they've said it's like even scarier than the first yeah but i don't know what they're gonna do oh, i have no idea because that was based do. on the book, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. House, so maybe just take another book or... I think The Haunting of that. Hill House is probably one of the scariest things I've seen. I think... Oh, really? Yeah, I, we, the thing is, I binge-watched it with somebody else over the course of like one weekend and I think it was too much. Like, okay. I should not have watched all of it in two in, in the space of two days. I should have I should have spread it out a little bit because I think watching that much horror in such a short period of time, it just, I don't know, it made me feel very tense for yeah. quite, quite a long time afterwards. Yeah. But it was really good. No, I just found it interesting like the storyline like each character had kind of a storyline mm. and it delved into maybe not too deep but it went into like i know drug problems mm. one of the the kids had drug problems mm. and i think another one had mental health problems yeah and well and also like that, there's so. there's one episode which this being a bit of a filmy filmy buffy person there's one episode where they basically date they do it all in what looks like one take were you aware oh, of that? Okay. Well, yeah. it was it was quite late on in the se- series. I can't quite remember which one it is. Maybe like episode eight or something. But it's it's the one in the funeral parlor. There's oh, okay, yeah, that episode, yeah, yeah. There's an episode where the whole family congregate in in a funeral parlor, and literally the whole entire episode is pretty much made up of like six shots six oh, wow. shots which is nothing for an hour-long episode and it pretty much looks like all one take and it's phenomenal like it's it was so well made and that for me made me so excited i was just like oh this is so fantastic <laughs> why do yeah. six shops make a difference shots shots oh okay okay as in literally they would just they mm-hmm. would follow the characters around and there wouldn't be any edits mm. there wouldn't be any cuts okay, there were literally okay. only six cuts in the whole episode yeah, yeah. which means sense. that they had to choreograph block and rehearse everything so that it was perfect because you know characters were crossing over conversations were happening all over the house you know but the cam everything just had to be timed to perfection and that kind of rehearsal is not that common in film and tv so that's why i just thought it was so good but the haunting of hill house that's netflix isn't it so if anyone wanted to watch it that's where to go it's it's that was a really good series actually really good do you think there's anything else in 2019 that that you've watched which you think you would recommend to other people Movie wise or TV shows? Well, both, I suppose. I mean, our TV now is so fantastic that it's pretty much on par with film. Jack Ryan, then, I guess. Okay, Jack- no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Jack Ryan with. Um, oh. The, the um, new. They recently released season two. I quite yeah. like it. I just binged it in one go. John. His name's John. From The Office. You John know. Krasinski. John Krasinski. Yeah, 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 John Krasinski. Yeah. Hero. He's massively bulked up for that, hasn't he? For Jack Ryan. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I don't know them by those names. I only know them by character. By names. Jack Reacher. I know there's that guy from Suits. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Megan Markle's. Well, I know Megan Markle's name, but uh, what was Megan Markle's character? Uh, don't make I love it. Mike his wife. The Duchess of Sussex. No. What was. What? <laughs> Basically, Mike Ross's father-in-law, Rachel Zane, and then... Oh, Robert. Yeah, Robert Robert Zane. Zane. Robert Zane's in it. That's why... I I watched like the first series of Suits and then I gave up because I was Mm -hmm. like, I think this is a little repetitive. Literally the same thing happens every time. Like Harvey comes in, he he wipes the floor with them and you're like, yeah, well done, Harvey. And then the whole thing happens again. Like over and over and over I don't think it's like that. No, okay. Um, It's finished now as well. (laughs) So film-wise, I actually... Might have seen my favorite movie of 2019 yesterday, which is called Yesterday. Shut up. I really liked it. Don't it's just, it's say just like that. it's just like a really like 
feel good film, you know? Ugh, yeah. So yesterday, I like the Beatles kind of thing. And So obviously yesterday was directed by Danny Boyle. He's a very, very famous director. This is quite a departure from him because he usually makes quite serious films. Um, but this is a very lighthearted one. But it was written by Richard Curtis, who obviously wrote, you know, Love Actually and um, oh, really? okay. yeah, and Four Weddings and a Funeral, like those quite kind of rom commy type things. So it's a really weird fusion of people. And then obviously the music is incredible because it's all the Beatles. Yeah. It's all the Beatles music. But the problem for me was that the best part of the film was the music, which the Beatles wrote 50 years ago. So we already knew that was good. And the rest yeah. of the film, I was just like, ugh. This is a bit I don't know, it was kind of, for those who haven't seen it and Hamish, uh, the film is, (laughs) um, this guy, um, (laughs) this guy gets hit by a bus and then he wakes up and the Beatles never existed. And he's a singer songwriter. So he, but he remembers all the Beatles songs. He's the only person in the world, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. He remembers the Beatles music. Um, Yeah. And then he's like a failing singer songwriter, but because he knows all the Beatles songs, but no one else does, he's able to like claim him as his own kind of thing. Mm. And then becomes like really famous and all. I think um, the music production's great. Like if you like the Beatles, which I feel like Hamish, you're not really a Beatles person, are you? The only reason no. like I really had anything to do with it was when I got him a birthday gift of a Beatles <laughs> vinyl or vinyl. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. vinyl. I don't know which one it is. I said vinyl Who's- or vinyl. <laughs> I don't know how it says. Who so. says vinyl? I said vinyl or vinyl, so you could have your pick. <laughs> I can have my my choice. It's not like no, scone or scone, you know. It's just vinyl. Um, I, yeah. I think I think I don't know. I think a big part of it was that the, the main the main guy was Indian. Oh like, uh, yeah, so hey, no, sure. you don't see that. A yeah, lot. I completely respect the fact that they were like, okay, the character's name is Jack. Yeah, fine, but there was no need to color cast it in any particular way. Like he didn't need to be white. There was no reason for him to have to be white. So they obviously were just like, right, well, let's just open the casting up and see who's the best for the job. And I think Himesh Patel does a really good job. Like I think he is really good. Yeah. He obviously he plays the character of Jack, and I, I I completely respect that. That's a really big deal. His parents are from Gujarat. Do you also love the fact that Ed Sheeran is in it quite a lot? Or did you find that a bit weird? No, I, I mean, I, I liked that. It, it made sense. Um, I know? thought it was quite funny because I just... It was funny, but it wasn't like, you <laughs> know, him, him appearing in Game of Thrones was a bit weird. Yeah, if like, Game of Thrones was odd, he shouldn't have been in Game of Thrones. I don't know. I think he, was, kind of he was quite good in this and he was quite funny. There were moments where I was like, ooh, Ed, I'm not sure about that. The bit where, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, if you don't want spoilers, like don't listen for about 20 seconds. The bit where he um he wrote a better song, Jack wrote a better song than Ed. Yeah. And Ed yeah. like acted like a bit like, like a child. Like really sad. Yeah. He was like congratulative, but he was just really sad, like, oh, yeah. you're better than me. Well, I, I thought what was so funny about that is Ed Sheeran, obviously he's taking the piss out of himself. Like I totally get that. But he's just like, Oh my god, like I'm not I'm not the best songwriter in the world. Yeah. And it's like, all right, Ed, did you did you think that before? Like, did you think you were the best songwriter in the world? I don't know about that, you know. Um, I, I found it weird how they also, they just removed some other random stuff from assistance as well. Yeah, like, like really rogue stuff. Because what, yeah. what else? Was, uh, they removed Oasis. They removed the Oasis, that's right. But the Rolling Stones was still yeah. was still still existed. Like Hope, he was he's there Googling, isn't he? He's yeah, Googling, yeah. okay, so the Beatles are, don't exist anymore. So what else is there? And obviously, yeah, like Oasis randomly just disappears. Well, you know why they did that though? It's because the Gallaghers regularly say that the Beatles is like their favorite music and they take so much oh, influence. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like um, Liam in particular, Liam Gallagher, regularly in interviews is just like, no, if there's one thing I would listen to for the rest of my life, it would be the Beatles. Like he loves the Beatles. So I think that was a bit of a nod 
to the fact that Oasis takes so much influence from the Beatles. So they're saying, oh, if the Beatles never existed, then maybe the Gallaghers would never have had that inspiration or something. Okay. I think that was the idea behind that. Oh, that's right. I thought that makes a bit more sense. Yeah, because otherwise it's a bit rogue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's just like, all right, fine. So Oasis don't exist either. All right. Yeah, some other films over the year. Joker is a recent one. Joker's fantastic. You, you watched that, that, didn't you? Yeah. Know, Hamish? I haven't actually seen that yet. That was on my. I was meant to go watch it, but I couldn't make it back on the night because we actually recording this. I would recommend that. <laughs> so. Although that is a very different tone to yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, if you're feeling sure. like a nice, happy Friday night, maybe don't go and see Joker because it, it doesn't necessarily make you feel very, very jolly afterwards. But it's definitely worth seeing. I was thinking the probably one of the films that I would recommend to anyone you know who who wants to see a really good film from 2019. There was one that came out a few months ago now called Eighth Grade. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it was by a comedian called Bo Burnham. Do you know, have you heard of him, Aaron? Bo Burnham? He's kind of a, a comedic no. musician. Like he does, you know how Tim Minchin makes songs, like funny songs. Or parody music. And stuff. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like he's a comedian who does that. And he basically ventured into directing. And he directed this film called Eighth Grade, which is basically about a 13-year-old girl, like, in school and it's really you know how you know what school's like it's a bit rubbish but it's also a comedy but it's probably one of the best films i have ever seen about growing up and about how dif how difficult school can be and how difficult it can be to be a teenager but he does it in a way that feels so realistic but also really funny and really genuine and really warm and i feel like it didn't really get seen by that many people so if i was going to recommend a film to anyone from 2019 that would probably be probably be it you know eighth grade Okay, nice. Mm. Should check it out. You should. Hamish, you should check it out. I will one day. Uh, well, I, the last won't. movie I think I watched was like on Netflix was Benji. Benji. It's a dog movie. Oh, <laughs> I, you know what? I was going to say that sounds like a dog movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's was so it a classic? No, it was like okay. a, it was just a stray dog that ended up finding this kid that was getting bullied after school. Oh. And then basically, I don't want to ruin the thing, but. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> but I don't want to ruin it for anyone that's listening in case you want to watch it. Okay. It's, an, it's an amazing movie. It's a very, very happy movie in the end. Okay. Well, that would make a nice change for me, you know, watching a nice happy movie. So maybe I will watch it. I was going to ask you for a recommendation, but if you don't watch it, then it's, it's a bit gone out the window, isn't it? Similar to Benji. I think we can, we can mention a bit about, uh, say you mentioned you do watch the Marvel films. Ah. Yeah, I, I also um, watch, I, watch, I like sci-fi stuff as well a bit. Like, so Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that not sci-fi? No. <laughs> what is that? Well, it's fantasy. Yeah, it is. Because sci-fi is science fiction, isn't it? Sci-fi oh. is like Doctor Who or something. Yeah, like, but yeah. what what yeah. science comes into Harry Potter? <laughs> oh, shit. I thought like Doctor Who and that were the same yeah, like thing. Like chemistry, all those spells. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do yeah. like Doctor Who. Potions, you know, yeah. that's science. Doctor Who, Torchwood, I like, I like one of those. Torchwood. Torchwood's old now, isn't it? Yeah. That's the one with John Barryman. Bloody hell. I wish they kept that going. But I don't think anyone else did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I feel like it was a bit too dark for BBC yeah, to probably. keep running. Right. Yes, I mean, I, I quite like sci-fi. I wouldn't say sci-fi is a natural, a, a completely natural genre for me, but mm. I do love it. And there's some, there's been some really good sci-fi over the last mm. few years, actually. You, are you into kind of highbrow sci-fi like Blade Runner, like Blade Runner 2049, which came up, you know, I, I did watch a year that, ago. but I don't. I wasn't a fan. You were You were See, that that's the kind of sci-fi that I love because oh, okay. I just think it was so stylistic and beautiful mm. and fantastic. But it was very. It was a bit high impact do you know what i mean it was a bit intense oh, okay it wasn't kind yeah. of low-key relaxed sci-fi which is what you get in like doctor who that's a bit more chilled isn't it so marvel is in class of sci-fi no so i would say so i, I mean marvel would be considered fantasy really oh, okay. like fantasy fiction but i mean to be honest superheroes are basically their own genre now so actually you could just call them superhero films i do like some comedy as well like um although fast and furious action it has a lot of comedy in it like if you know tyrese <laughs> gibson 
Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. He's an absolute comedic. He's one of my favorite, I guess, like people just because of how comedic he is. Well, that's nice. I'm glad you get some joy. Out yeah, of so that. I do try to watch like <laughs> I don't know I watch some action films, movies. or they're just films that have a bit of humor in it. You know, but like I do, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I, I should have like prepared for like comedy. I didn't prepare for this bit, <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, that's like one of the examples. Like I do like watching like comedic movies. If it comes out yeah i mean me too who doesn't yeah. like that's such an enjoyable thing and yeah. to be honest I, you know so often now i actually think people really struggle to make good comedies mm. so you kind of do have mm. to settle for films which just have a lot of comedy in them so yeah. if, you know action films or drama films which have comedy within mm. them tends to be more common now than actual full-on comedies like yeah. so few good comedies come out nowadays and mm. that can be like a whole other debate in itself as to why mm. that might be but there's no doubt that there's a struggle i mean todd phillips the guy who directed joker Okay. He mm-hmm. actually directed the Hangover movies, oh. which obviously you know them. Yeah. Everyone knows them. Yeah. And obviously they are very much full mm, on like gross out different. comedies. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest, he's actually been quoted controversially, perhaps. And some people don't like the fact that he said this, but he's been quoted as saying the reason he moved away from comedy to a certain extent is because he feels like, you know, the way culture is right now doesn't really allow for open hearted comedy you know he feels like i don't know he feels like there's a pc culture mm-hmm. which is kind of suppressing his comedy bone which is why he decided to move into people more dramatic people offended hmm? people probably get i think that's basically what he was getting at yeah he feels like people are so quick to to judge and jump on a bandwagon of some kind that um he feels like he doesn't really have the freedom the com- comedic freedom that he maybe once did and i think that's a whole that's a whole big debate whether you believe that or not is kind of up to you but i think it's an interesting opinion and i think it's interesting that because of that he ended up making a film like joker because he just felt like that's where his creative outlet would be you know put to better use i feel like there should be more comedy to be fair like i like also like movies like ride along that have action and comedy like yeah. i guess like <laughs> There have been a lot of those. I do like appreciate the wittiness or like sometimes I I feel like when I'm in a movie, especially like back at home, like I'm watching it and something like some people just don't appreciate the humor. Maybe like uni broadened my senses like of humor a bit, but Mm. I just appreciate like certain jokes that no one else will laugh at, like I guess. That's kind like of something. nice. At least yeah, there's so. something in there for everyone. You know, that's what you want. I know. I think for me, American comedies have just. I don't think I've ever been a huge, huge, huge fan of American comedies. Comedies. I've always been a bit, bit more into British comedies because I just think that the British sense of humour is just a bit more creative sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> but I think in recent years, I've really struggled to find really, really good American comedies. I think. Like I found TV a lot more funny in recent years than I have films. I think, for the most part. Is that just a more relatable thing? I really don't know what it is. I mean, to be honest, one of the big TV shows that I really enjoy is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which if you haven't seen it, go check it out but it's it's a it's a very unusual show because it literally says and does whatever it wants like it's quite controversial in some ways but they just you just feel like they haven't got any sense of filter (laughs) they just go for it and it's just about these five really really awful people (laughs) and they are very much supposed to be awful people doing awful things but it's just really funny and you just don't see that in film i just think people are so self-conscious in in film nowadays and studios are so terrified about making a film which could get backlash that they just don't do it at all or they make them so twee and like not that funny <laughs> that nobody really cares and wants to watch them anyway and that's the problem is you just i just feel like they don't really want to go there like feel, big studios yeah i feel like if you don't like something just don't watch it and like that's it be done with it don't yeah. go to don't you don't need to go bad mouthing it just let the people that like it 
continue to like it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But I mean, you know, word of mouth is such a huge thing mm -hmm. in, in cinema. Like the big a big reason why a lot of films will fail or succeed will really be on word of mouth. You know, the first rush of people. I mean, even with Marvel films, that's the way it works. You know, when Endgame came out, the reason it, it got, there's this thing called, um, there, there are these ratings where like if, if people come out and they're telling all of their friends, it's fantastic, you've got to go and see it. That's considered like a triple A rating or whatever, whereby they know that they're going to make a huge amount of money because of the word of mouth effect. Yeah. And there are some films where people will all come out and be like, yeah, don't go and see it. Don't bother with that it's shit. <laughs> Just don't go. And that's when you know a film's going to fail. So actually that first bout of an audience is a really important thing for films. And for Endgame, that first weekend of like hardcore fans who went to see it, because they went out and told their friends and families, oh, it's amazing, you've got to go. That's what basically made it so successful in the end. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I've got a uh, statistic here on the opening weekend of Endgame. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, the opening weekend in the USA, it grossed 357 million. If you compare that with Joker, that was only 96 million. What okay, but I would also argue that Joker is obviously an R-rated movie. It's a 15, whereas Endgame is obviously only like 12A. Yeah, so yeah, that like, does make a big take, difference. If you take Captain Marvel, that was 150 million. Yeah. So Endgame did more than double that. Endgame... Endgame did very, very well. Like what? it did exceptionally the well. The budget yeah. for Endgame was 356 million. Mm -hmm. What is your That's... sources? Like you don't say the sources of this information. Uh, IMDb. Okay, I'm just making sure that in right. case someone has to call us out. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Marvel All are going to be on yep. the phone with us. Marvel are going to be very upset. <laughs> it's actually 370 million, I'll have you know. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, actually, something you mentioned to me recently, Gina, or mm. when I say recently, like a couple of days ago, uh, <laughs> Martin Scorsese mm. was actually quoted recently in an interview in October. He said, I have the quote here. <laughs> he was asked about if he's, what is his opinion on Marvel movies is or something along those lines. And he said, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well made as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. Mm. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. Mm. It's a really big deal, actually, that Martin Scorsese said this. What does that even mean? Like, so he, he, because the whole point about Martin Scorsese's films is that he very much is looking to convey a sense of human emotion. And the whole point of life is that it's unpredictable and you really don't know what can happen or what's going to happen. And that's kind of what he always tries to convey in his films. Whereas with Marvel, you always know what's going to happen because you know the goodies are going to win. And I think for him, that's why it becomes like an amusement park whereby it's good fun and it's a spectacle but it's never going to be classed as kind of proper intelligent cinema you know so I mean it's, it's, it's a controversial quote because I think a lot of people basically just think oh you're just being snobby and you just want people to watch your films that's the only reason you're <laughs> saying it but you know Francis Ford Coppola who directed the Godfather films is a, he's a massive king and giant in cinema as well he's come out and said yep I absolutely agree with Martin I'm on his side I think that Marvel needs to put it back in the box all the rest of it and I think a lot of people in the film world agree with them because the truth Truth is that independent cinema makers and independent, you know, cinema financiers are really struggling to make mid-budget or low-budget films and they're struggling to get them into the cinemas because they just don't feel like it's reaching the audiences and they feel like the cinema is just completely dominated by Marvel films which isn't necessarily wrong because there are a lot of Marvel films and then you've got DC as well bringing out quite a lot of films not very good ones but quite a lot of films <laughs> so I think that's that's why filmmakers are feeling quite frustrated by it but James Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy films, has come out and been like, look, at the end of the day, if people want to see these films and people enjoy seeing these films, 
why would we stop making them? Like if there's a market for it and people like it, at the end of the day, that's kind of how a free market works, isn't it? Yeah, the thing is as well, like about the quote, the thing is I thought these were based on some sort of comics or something or some pre-existing storyline out there. So Mm. like, obviously I think the quote is like, if there are people who already somewhat know, I didn't read the comics or anything. I just, and I don't care about word of mouth. If I want to see something, I'll go watch it. Yeah. But so like, I was just like, if it's already based on a comic or something, I guess the storyline already exists out there. So that quote doesn't make sense if they're just base if they're turning books into a movie. I think it's just I do I think it's the oversaturation of the market. Okay. I think that's the problem ultimately is I don't think anyone really has an issue with a Marvel film being released every couple of years. But at the moment, they literally they have in the last five mm-hmm. years, they've literally released a film pretty much every three or four months for the most part. And the vast majority of people out there only really go to the cinema once or twice a year, maybe oh. three times a year. Oh, Not okay. that much. And I think that's the problem is they just feel like, well, all of the films they're gonna see are Marvel films. Like they're not gonna bother seeing other films which are worth seeing. And and I think that filmmakers are just getting really worried about that. But to be fair, like that actually helps the other movies because if I'm if I get to the movie earlier on time, I can, sometimes you see the adverts and sometimes there may be a one that we like. I maybe like to my friends sitting next to me. I'm like, yo, we need to come watch that. Like, mm. but so like if you're that's true, that's true. So like <laughs> you get to see the trailers yeah, yeah, and you go, well, actually, that looks quite good, doesn't it? I wouldn't mind seeing that. I set yeah. you up here. Oh yeah. <laughs> Smooth. Talking about trailers. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you actually mentioned it earlier when we were talking about your role at Raw, but you did a show called Talking Trailers. I did. And me and Anna, actually, Anna, our guest from episode two, appeared on it a couple of times. Mm, You did quite a few times, I think, actually. It was enjoyable. I listened to it. I like to think it was a, Mm. yeah, Hamish was a listener, made me interested in this kind of stuff and was a... In the background of the to idea honest, of doing this podcast, the fact that I invited you and Anna on clearly demonstrates how you know thin on the ground my options were. But the thing, <laughs> because you yeah. and Anna do not give much of a shit about films for the most part. <laughs> I but feel like it gives a different perspective, though. That's true. No, actually, genuinely, that's true. Like for the most, I, I genuinely did think, you know, I I'm obsessed with films clearly, and it's something I spend far too much time thinking about. Um, but people who don't do that and people who are literally they go to the cinema once in a year they look at the trailers that and they're just like okay (laughs) what am i gonna say yeah you hamish what do they see when they see these trailers what what do they think what is it that engages them what is it that makes them want to go and see a film and i think that is really interesting whereas i watch about 10 trailers a day so for me it's a completely different perspective yeah a lot i watch a lot (laughs) there are a lot of trailers out there a lot of there are are about seven seven or eight films that come out every single week in this country it's a lot a lot of films come out in this country and like 99 percent of them are not seen by people mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot but yeah so i thought talking trailers was good fun actually yeah so the idea behind talking trailers is that so gina was a host and she I got was. did you always have guests on it always yeah. yeah well i think there was i mean pretty much i must have always had guests it's awful my memory is appalling you know it's yeah. only it was only like four three or four years ago but i barely remember it it's good to have guests. i think i think i must always have had guests on there because yeah. me just talking about trailers for an hour would have been so <laughs> yeah. dull but uh yeah when me and anna were on there anyway we'd all each of us gina me and anna would then each choose a trailer yeah. each and then we'd watch it and then review it on the show um so i thought it'd be nice of us seeing as gina is one of our guests today that we kind of do a bit of a throwback to that moment and <laughs> uh choose yeah so we've got a trailer here that we've chosen it's called bombshell which yeah is a movie to be released i think early 2020 yeah yeah so if anyone who's listening along wants to watch it can pause the episode now we're just going to take a quick watch and then talk a bit about it after after the watching so <laughs> well done, mate. <laughs> I would say after the break, but not on TV. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, enjoy. 
after watching that trailer, I'm not sure what exactly is going on. <laughs> what? <laughs> at the beginning, when I started off at least, and then I was like, I wasn't, unsh- I wasn't sure if they're joking or serious, really. As in, as a comedy? Do you mean as a film? You're not sure whether it's a comedy or a drama or both. I'm not sure what's going on. I think you will definitely find that it will be. Uh, I think for me, what I took away from it is it's definitely going to be a combination of both, and obviously, two of the characters in that are real people like this is all based around a real story that happened again the whole true story thing you know we've been there but i think that they're definitely going to add in that aspect of comedy because i think anything that's about real life if there's like no comedy in it at all it's just unrealistic like human beings have senses of humor it would just be a bit weird if they didn't get a little bit of see i did think that was an interesting because they're obviously talking about like a really deep important and important topic and it does seem that they have put in quite a bit of humor into it Mm mm-hmm and do you think that feels jarring or do you feel I don't know because I was works? I kind of when I first saw it, I was kind of thinking I kind of thought a bit about Spotlight the film came out I don't know how many years ago That was I think ago. that was around 2016 But I was getting like a kind of similar in the sense that it's trying to expose yeah. or it's bringing to light like a scandal I think it felt a lot more lighthearted but Yeah yeah no no yeah. that was the difference because Spotlight yeah. I felt like had no kind of no, comedy in it's it. It's very serious film. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both taking the same approach of bringing something to light mm. in the public eye. I think what's really interesting about it is how much it's playing on real life girl power. You know, because it's obviously very much in keeping with the rhetoric that's currently in the media. Like, you know, post Me Too, post Harvey Weinstein, there's been a lot about women coming forward and women sticking up for themselves, in particular in the workplace. And you know, in particular, it seems in the entertainment world. And obviously, they're very much playing on that rhetoric, which makes a lot of sense. But and I think the fact that they bring in these really powerhouse actresses, you know, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, yeah. Charlize Theron, who are all really big deal actresses and, and are very proactive in their own way within that community, within the Me Too movement. They're, you know, they're, they're big deal women. And then the fact you've got Billie Eilish playing over the top of it, who is again, this kind of really big icon right now of like female empowerment and and women just like doing it for themselves and badass and all the rest of it. You can just tell that there's this kind of synergy that they're really going for, whereby there's just a lot of really strong, powerful women in it, you know? And I I mean, personally, because I am a woman, believe it or not, um, I... I kind of like that because I just kind of, you know, I do get that sense of, yeah, you go girl, (laughs) which I've never said before in my life, Um, which I kind of really enjoy. I really like that. And I definitely, yeah, I just get this sense of excitement from, from that trailer because you just feel like they're, they're trying to achieve something, which just feels like it's really of its time. It feels like we're ready for it. Do you know what I mean? It's been a long time coming, I suppose. And I think that's, that's why I find it quite exciting. Also, they just all look damn good at it. (laughs) If, If they do like keep it, I hope they do keep humor in it so in the case i watch it i would appreciate for like jokes and or like you know i just appreciate some jokes to be i don't want it to be a super super serious movie if i watch it that is mm. obviously they can do what they want i guess uh, yeah I, d- I don't know i guess we'll see i mean at the end of the day like aaron said similarly to spotlight it is quite a serious issue you know i think in, i mean obviously there was an anchor that was fired like i think it, it was matt lauer who was fired you're not sure of the name hmm yeah, I'm not sure on it. Yeah, yeah. It was fired a few years ago for sexual misconduct and it's a very relevant thing right now. Like with the, with the new Apple is it Apple Plus or Apple TV Plus? 
think it's Apple TV Plus. Yeah, Apple TV Plus, their most recent, their new show, Morning, The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston. Again, touching on a very, very similar, almost identical topic, really. Um, so you can just tell it's something that it, within the marketplace right now, executives clearly feel like they're tapping into something that's that everyone is kind of going through, everyone is feeling is very relevant right now, um, which I do think it is quite a serious topic. But I agree, I think it's important to kind of add in a bit of, about a bit of comedy, a bit of humor, all the rest of it. I think the thing is it will also be quite a female oriented film. And I have tended to find that films with a quite a female sense of humor sometimes doesn't really seem to appeal to men that much or they don't really mm. get it. And I think that's really interesting. And I often find it a little bit frustrating as well, actually. You know, there are films which I really enjoy because I feel like there's a kind of proper female sense of humor in it. And men often, I don't know, sometimes don't really tend to feel like they understand it and they don't really find it that funny. So I also, so I kind of wonder whether if we both saw this mm. film, Hamish, whether I would go away being like, oh, I actually found bits of that really funny. And you would just be like, no, I don't. No, I mean, I, I would I wouldn't say that because I, I feel like as I said like uni like opened my mind to a lot of like a lot of different senses of humors because we're, we're hanging with different groups I was like yeah I can't just have one sense of thing and just hang with everyone like I can mm. be the same person but I need to have different the ones at least the humors you know like those I don't know like buckets of humor that maybe you could tap into when you need to mm. so I feel like maybe I could but I just need to watch the movie which to make me watch a movie you literally if you were like all meeting off like that would have to be like part of the meme if you're going to make me watch a movie because right now I don't watch any movies no I, only watch I, I think that's before. yeah I think that's the thing like it really in part depends whether you're interested in films anyway yeah. <laughs> and if you actually watch films anyway yeah I don't watch it like I guess religiously like you but I do go for the at least any trailer that I see that is good or any like franchise that I already follow hmm. um, then I'll I'll probably end up watching it in cinema for the good experience yeah I do think with this trailer in particular as well you know they'll be going for you know the audience is going to be quite female oriented. You know, for the reason that I get kind of like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, you go girl kind of thing. The reason I get quite excited about it is is probably part of the reason why I'm its demographic because I kind of like the idea of, of women clubbing together, getting together and kind of making their case heard and not and not letting people walk all over them. I find that quite an exciting thing. And I think there'll probably be quite a lot of women in particular, not not just exclusively. I'm sure there are plenty of men who will want to watch this film as well. But I think for women in particular, it's just a really exciting kind of powerful trailer and potentially powerful film. And I already know that this film is getting quite a lot of Oscar buzz for their performances. Like That's apparently right. they all they're all really good in it. The three the three leads. Yeah. Well I think that brings in an audience as well, just having those three yeah. big actresses massively I mean even Hamish even you must have known at least one or two of them I knew Margaret Robbie that's the only name I probably know like, Margot Robbie I, the other ones I maybe just know from another movie or so yeah well, uh, Charlie's Theron have a Charlie's Theron yeah mm -hmm. she looks totally different completely that, different like, I know no the first time I watched the trailer I was a bit like who is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, on the poster it, as well. I've yeah. seen the poster. And it's yeah, like, no, oh. when her name came up, I was like, no, it's not Charlie's. It can't be Charlie's. Yeah. But no, they, they've, because Megan Kelly's a real, obviously a real yeah, anchor. Yeah. She is quite a big name and she obviously had this whole thing with Donald Trump a few years ago. It was like a really big deal. She, because she is such a famous name and a famous person, I think they probably thought we really want to make um, Charlie's really identify with her physically and make her look like her, which they have done. Like she does it really similar, but it does make her face look just so different. It's a bit creepy actually. So yeah. the only character character in that or out of those three women who is fiction is a fictitious character okay. is margot robbie's character but yeah, the other two that. are real people yeah yeah and what what kind of um you said that it's already getting quite a bit of oscar buzz mm. what um is that just their like performances or is it kind of 
the film in general. The thing about the Oscars is that they are quite political. So I think that often they they do tend to nominate films which they feel like society needs them to nominate. Do you know what I mean? And I don't really like that necessarily because I think it could be a little bit tokenistic. You feel like something's been nominated more because they feel like it's worthy or because it's the message that it's saying is really good, even if it's not necessarily a great film. I have no idea with this because I haven't seen it yet. But I think that given its content given that it's about women in the entertainment world sticking up for themselves and it's about sexual harassment, which, as we've already said, is so of the moment and is and is very relevant right now. I think that it has a good chance of getting some nominations. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if one of that, like Nicole Kidman and Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie, all fantastic actresses, and they've all been nominated already <laughs> for, yeah. for Oscars. So I wouldn't be surprised if one, two, one or two of them gets who, another nomination. Who nominates the things with Oscars? So they, they basically have a, a board they have members it's the same as BAFTA so generally speaking you get invited to become a member of of the Academy Awards or a member of BAFTA and then you get sent all of the potential films they're thinking of nominating or potential actors and actresses they're thinking of nominating and the uh, members basically all vote on who they think should be nominated and then they vote on who they think should win as well so there's a whole big process to it um but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I think I, I think personally, the Oscars can be a little bit, it can be a bit of a facade sometimes. I think it can be a bit of a, as in, I think that sometimes it can be a bit superficial. I, d- I don't think they always go skin, further than skin deep. Like there are some films that often I think should be nominated, but because they're not tapping into a political moment or a social movement or whatever it may be, they kind of get overlooked. And I think that's a bit of a shame, actually. You kind of, you know, when people say Oscar bait, Oscar bait films, do you know, okay, you know that no. phrase? Oh, so if something's a bit Oscar baity, as in B A I T, you know, like when bait that you okay, put into yeah. when you're fishing, mm-hmm. it's when some you f- people feel like a film has been made very much because they know what formula tends to get yeah. nominated. Is this being released as well around the same time? Is that, is well, that as thing? in the bombshell? Yeah, like it's being released. Is being released in the Oscars, Oscar. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the majority of films that get nominated for Oscars and BAFTAs tend to be released towards the end of the year or in January, February of the new year because the Oscars always takes place in February. So yeah, that's when they tend to, to tend to start flooding out. So the best time to go to the cinema in terms of really good films is basically November, January, February. Those three months are like really good for Not films. Not December? Is that just Christmas? Well, December, the problem with December is because it's Christmas time. There's too many family all the, movies yeah, all the, coming all the out. Block all the blockbusters start coming out exactly like we've got Rise of Skywalker the, the oh, last yeah. Star, Star yeah. Wars film and things like that start coming out so there tends to be kind of a three week period over Christmas where it's just loads of blockbustery films and the Oscary films don't tend to get released around that time so yeah November, January, February really good time for the cinema like really really good films start to come out around then because they're going for the award season yeah and just talking about the like the actual trailer itself like the making of it hmm. it almost seemed to have like a trailer for the trailer right at the beginning I didn't know if that was just something I yeah, don't normally see or... I don't really... To be honest, that does happen quite a lot now. And when, when you watch trailers on YouTube, they tend to have this little kind of intro bit. It's I like just trying to flex that they've got these three actresses in it. And yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty much just like to try and grasp your attention straight away. You know, to try and say exactly within the first five seconds, this is why you should watch this film because yeah. these people are in it. I expect that is literally what it is because you know how hard it is to get people to watch content because there's so much content out there. Um, but yeah, I've seen it far far more on youtube now that a lot of especially studios releasing trailers tend to do that that kind of little clip right at the start where they just kind of introduce like who's in it or just like some really exciting moment in the film which they think will hook people in 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. Just to round up the film a bit, IMDb has a description as it's about a group of women decide to take on Fox News head Roger Ailes. Don't know if I pronounced it right. Roger Ailes <laughs> and the toxic atmosphere as toxic atmosphere he presided over at the network. Mm. And it should be releasing January the 17th, 2020 in the UK, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So um, as we're closing off the phone's topic, I guess it will be a nice time to have a quiz. So this time we actually have you options for you to have a quiz. So this is very it's exciting. Like around movies, but you can kind of choose. There's a bunch of options. There's like depending on the type of movies that I'll just pass you my phone really quickly, mm-hmm. and you could pick one. Just don't answer any questions. Wait, so this quiz before. is going to be on we a have movie? No, it can be. There's a, like I saw there's a Harry Potter one and so on, but oh, like, there's um I saw like there's a different Harry things. Potter. Oh my God, I, like got, I got 10 out of 10. Hey, was there a load? I need like an hour to look at all of this. Just get, just pick the first one that you see that you know something about. Is it not like a that. general one? It, like it depends. Like the general on like certain genres and everything. So the first what? one that you <laughs> see that you know. <laughs> There's one here that's movie stars and birth years. <laughs> like I'm going to have any idea when any of them are born. Wait, so you haven't actually prepared a quiz. You've just no. well, <laughs> Googled. The thing is, yeah, Gina Google has a very different taste to what I would. So obviously I went for the Harry Potter one. I got a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Athletes turned <laughs> actors. No idea. Actually, well, I mean, that's literally just like you the know, rock. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> oh Jason Statham you know he was a diver there, there was one actor. that spoke about the, um, like actor names and birth um, their birth name whatever it's yeah different. I wouldn't know that though I wouldn't know any of their birth names well not very many oh I could do Lord of the Rings let's do that should we do Lord of the Rings yeah. just because Aaron Conway has not watched those films and I'm Have very angry about Rings? it of course he has I've seen The, the Hobbits that doesn't okay, count because so they're this, not this the same this isn't really going to be a quiz then is it <laughs> Like oh, wait. If, oh, does it have to be something you can answer as well? I thought we were doing like a head-to-head kind of thing. Or is it literally just me? Have, have you both seen the James Bond movies? Any of them? Yeah, I'm not going to know anything I mean, about I'm not those, though. I don't anything. even like the James Bond movies that much. Titanic, both of you have seen that. <laughs> I mean, I've seen oh, it. Oh, I'm an expert. <laughs> I know Jack. <laughs> yeah, Jack and Rose, those yeah. are their names. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's about a ship? Yeah. Big and, uh, ship? Rose just couldn't get Jack on that. Movie sequels. The most upsetting of thing of all time, isn't it? Right, now go through my my list of like ones that I was going to give you the option of. So movie okay. sequels. Okay. But to be honest, just choose one. Um, okay. Go for it. Go. Well, let's do movie sequels. Or movie yeah. and year. Like movie and year. So you have to guess the year which movie was. I mean, Aaron definitely won't have a clue. I mean, I could win it on the guess, but <laughs> like... We gave him the decade, maybe. <laughs> you're going to have to track the scores. So I'm going to have to trust you that you're um, writing the scores correctly. Okay. So let's see. Um, let's go movie and year I'm going to go for movie and year 6 because I feel like it's going to be more relevant I hope it's more relevant movie yeah because there's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 <laughs> but 6 is the one it's going to be totally random yeah it's going to be so random these movies were released in which year <laughs> Rebecca the grapes of wrath <laughs> wait one sec one sec Rebecca the, the grapes of wrath and the di- great dictator you know what you should do? And the, oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. For him, it's not fair to make like he, you should tell you should just get him to do the decade. Because I, I actually know okay. these films. You don't know any of them, do you? No, I thought, I thought you were naming one film. No. Rebecca the Grapes of Rock. There's four there, there's four options and they they're all in the same year, so do you oh, have no, a, do you have a gonna, guess before I? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna give a give a big thing away there. I was gonna say something. Aaron, do you have a guess before I before I give you the options, or would you no, like the options? Let's do it in terms. So, like this question, Gina can answer it. Go on, then give me. And then options. if she gets it wrong, it'll go on to me, kind of thing. Nineteen forty. Oh, it's more of a choice. Oh shit. That's what I'm saying. Options, you retard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Nineteen forty-four and nineteen forty-six. Nineteen forty. Correct. Ah, One uh, nil to Gino. 
I was going to say, I didn't realise he was going to give you options, but I was going to yeah, be that's... like, oh, The Great Dictator. That's a Charlie Chaplin Am film. Am I not speaking English? Like, <laughs> I, I probably still wouldn't. Do you know that. Charlie Chaplin? I know him, but I don't necessarily would you have know. Been, would you have said 40s for his films? Weren't they all in the 40s? Yeah, but yeah. if you didn't have the options, would oh, you have no, known? No, no. no, you wouldn't have. To be fair, they've been like... I might off. I mean, I would have guessed. You would have guessed. I would have guessed, so I could have. Hmm. Okay, um, the question for you, Aaron, is <laughs> Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. I don't know these movies, by the way. The break, I don't know that. The Breakup, The Pursuit of Happiness, oh. and Click. Um, the options are 2008, 2002, 2006, and 2004. Oh, it's, 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 I feel like it's 2004 or 2006. There's no like lifelines here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, I only know The Pursuit of Happiness and Click. I don't know. I'm going to go 2006. Is that your final answer? Yeah. For five pounds, locking in 2006. Five pounds, what? <laughs> the computer says you're right. Oh, nice. bang, 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 bang. I was watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire the other day. That's why. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. For you, Gina, the score is currently 1 1. There's only 10 <laughs> questions, so I'm going to have to make, make my own tiebreaker question up, I guess, at the end. Brilliant. Well, that's going to be a great question, just, isn't just it? Just do like five questions. <laughs> okay. So, fun with Dick and Jane, Hitch, The Longest Yard. Mm. And the pacifier. They like Will Smith, don't they? On yeah, this quest, I've seen a couple of those films. <laughs> mm-hmm. And your options are 1999, 2005, 2003, 2001. That's a tough one. I feel like it's 2005. I would have went with that. I would have went with five. Is that your final answer? Yeah, go for it. This is tough. It is correct. Yeah, we're doing Let's well. Because you would have been old enough to know of. Well, exactly. That's the thing. And that hitch, like Will Smith, you know, Will Smith's only been famous since like the 90s. So, I mean, hitch yeah. was when he was quite mature, I feel. And The Elephant Man. Those are some fantastic and films. your options are 1982, 1984, 1986, and 1980. 82. If I get it wrong, it goes Incorrect. Oh, okay. So it goes to me. Yeah, Go and give me the options again. And it's not 1982, clearly. So what are the three options remaining? That was in the questions gone because it was... It was, <laughs> not, it, was, it was 1980, 86, and 89. But are we going to be able oh, to find out the answer? Yeah, it's gone. Oh. Unless you replay <laughs> it. I know the answer. This is so oh. wonderfully good. I know good. the answer. You could have a guess. You they know were, the answer? Yeah. <laughs> it was 80, 86, and 87, I think. Or 80. It's 82. <laughs> Wait, that's, I, what, that's I, what I said. No, was what? it? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. The professionalism no. is killing me. But basically, either way, it's still who won to Gina. Um, <sighs> good, I win. It, was, it wasn't what you said. <laughs> it was, wait, what, you said 82. That means it was 84. Okay. It was the bottom right option <laughs> that, that came. That's quite me. late oh, for nine to five. My bad. And <laughs> if anyone else wants to do deal. these quizzes, we'll leave the link in the description. It has quite a big. <laughs> sure, people are buzzing. <laughs> people can't wait to do so this fair, quiz. This one may be a bit easy. So, Patch oh. Adams, Rush Hour, The Prince of Egypt, and the Rugrats movie. Oh, who's for me? Me, it's me. For oh. Gina, she's two one up. Oh, yeah. Don't take my yeah. question. Nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety four, nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, do you remember The Prince of Egypt? Yeah, I think I've seen that it. Animation. It's a cartoon, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Animation. Um. Animation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 1996. Let's go for my year of birth because I have no idea. Would you like a guess? Is it wrong? Yeah. I, yeah ah. Was it two, six, eight? And... Increments of two, yeah. Two, six, four, eight. Two, four, <laughs> six, eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go eight. You're right. Oh. So I guess it's two, two. Two, two's now. This is so not about film knowledge. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about this. I, th- I think this clearly shows superiority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, for you, it's the Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Wanted, one of my favorite films, Yip Man. I think that's how you say it, Yip Man. I'm not sure. And you don't mess with the Zohan. Oh, okay. Yeah, come. On. 2010, mm-hmm. 2006, 
2008. Okay. Would you want? I'm, I'm going to give Gina the option to go in case you're wrong, so I don't lose the options. 2006. I think it's going to be 2008. What did you say? Six. Oh. Six? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you're wrong. It's 2008. Oh. I knew. Because Wanted. Don't mess with the suit. Okay. I knew Wanted was like out before 2010. And it wasn't early as 2006, although I wouldn't have watched it. I definitely don't have one of those mem- minds that kind of memorizes dates very well. Like, I don't know yeah. when things when things happened. Well, still 2-2, two, two, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, when, when's this ending? Very soon. There's only a few more questions. Okay. So <laughs> I may have to just end it after, like, the next person gets it right and the next person gets it wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one may be a bit easier for you. Casper, Heat, and Jumanji. Oh. Who, who's answering? You. Me. I believe. Yeah, okay. Wait, wait. I think it was Gina. Yeah, yeah, it was Gina. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. See, adding like giving the other person a steel option has messed up in my head. Like, give me damn options, man. Nine ninety three, nine ninety one, nineteen eighty nine, and nineteen ninety five. Ninety three. I'm not gonna give you an option. I can't bother. <laughs> Great. Could have got that. What was it? What was it then? Actually, maybe it's eighty nine. Eighty nine. Nine ninety five. Oh wow, we were I way That would have been my fourth guess. Jumanji's a great film, isn't it? Yeah. yeah you watched the original. Yeah, yeah. It's a great. I film. watched the new I one. Can't. Yeah, that doesn't count. No. <laughs> to be honest, the new one's actually quite good, but nothing can beat the original Jumanji. Yeah, the original. I just don't like too many movies of the Rock, and I feel Rock is in everything and up in my face. I don't want to watch every single movie of the Rock. <laughs> he, in it. He's he, up in your face. He's in the original Jumanji. So yeah. no, so you should check the original one out. One then you won't be having any Rock in your face. <laughs> it's great. Well, this one's for Aaron, I believe. <laughs> okay. We're still on 2-2, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, that's my degree classification. <laughs> my, at least my first one. Um, eight. Five. The Great Escape from Russia with Love. I thought you were just going to tell me numbers. Like, <laughs> no, no, those were... It They're seemed, three films. Yeah. And They're... your options are 1961, oh. 1963, 1965, 1967. 1961. Which, like, I guess. 1963. Three, 1963. Gina, you're right. Gina <gasps> actually goes to 3-2. Look at that. Well, these are the final two questions, I believe, in before I've counted this one. So this one's for you, Gina. <laughs> okay. Wait, so she gets this. She's one. Yeah. I mean, technically, she can't catch up. Time, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Penalties <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, my. 101 Dalmatians. Dalmatians. <laughs> What do you mean, fam? I don't know how to pronounce this. They, they give me like... You should be, the, the third one, I'm going to fuck up entirely. Like, oh, so. I can't wait. Say it again, so wait, then. How do you say the other one? 101 Dalmatians. I assume she knows Which is a, Which is a dog. Okay. Oh. You yeah. know, the spotty dogs. You like dogs as well. Yeah. I saw a shiba on the train. Have you never yeah. heard of a Dalmatian? I have, but I don't... I was thinking of that. This is some alien breed or something. <laughs> <laughs> the Hustler. Uh-huh. And Yojimbo. Yojimbo. I could have said it wrong. And yeah, that's. I can't <laughs> say I've ever heard of Yojimbo. <laughs> or however you want to pronounce this. Okay, <laughs> one second, one second. Yeah, that's that's Yojimbo. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea what film that is. This I'm is sure it's English wonderful. Li- uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, we didn't study Yojimbo in, uh, in, uh, in your films. Your options English, are 1961, 1963, 65, and 67. Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just. If you, if you 1967. Get this, 1965. It's 1961. So <gasps> you have one last chance to catch up. But then what does this and then, do? If I win? <laughs> and then, then it'll be a draw. <laughs> well, I just get it wrong. We all go I'll, home I'll, a winner. I'll give you a question from my mind. Oh, fantastic. 
from your mind. I'll have to look, look up the answer on the go. Is it going to be about Damascians again? Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> going to be a fast Or Vinyl. Fuck off. Man, there's just going to be so many clips of me fucking up words and then everyone's just going to just have these clips uh, <laughs> yeah. forever. Strangers on a train and a streetcar named Desire. <gasps> Beautiful film. And your options are... Only two films I get. Yeah. Oh. And your options are 1953, 1949, 1955, and 1951. 1953. 1951. Gina got it right. So Boom! Oh. Man, I was looking so forward four to that two. question from your head. <laughs> so and I think we can safely say I won. Compared to the average, really. we actually only got three out of ten. So the <laughs> average is, <average> is 4.92. <laughs> and so we said that we failed pretty bad. But yeah. I don't you know. Oh, well. yeah, understandable. Clearly, we're not going to be a film experts anytime too soon. I'm quite impressed with you, actually. You got you got something right. And it sounded like you actually had heard of some of the films as well. They were the only ones in this century, though. Yeah, so you didn't know anything pre-2000. <laughs> I knew Jumanji. I was hoping... Oh, Jumanji, yeah, yeah. yeah Pre-1990. Yeah. Pre <laughs> yeah. I was hoping there'd be more recent ones, to be fair. Well, we can always do another quiz if people want. But I'm going to say, I'm sure you're a That's massive right. fan of Streetcar Named Desire, hey? <laughs> Your favourite film. <laughs> no. I don't even know what that is. No, it's a fantastic film. Anyway, we've talked about films quite a lot. We have, I think yeah. we can uh, move on to another... Something we've talked about quite a bit, Gina, and that's working in the arts industry compared to maybe working in like a tech and science industry mm. that me and Hamish do. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, we spoke a bit about that and like the difficulties of maybe like finding work and when you do get work, like stuff like pay and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the arts and entertainment industry, I'm sure similarly to the tech industry is a huge, huge spectrum of thing anyway like so when somebody says oh i want to go to the arts or i want to go to film or i want to you know whatever that doesn't really mean anything because there is so much within that industry that you could do you know so i think first of all that that's kind of quite overwhelming and a bit daunting mm -hmm. for people who are first looking to go into it but yeah there's no doubt there's no doubt that you know you do make a big financial sacrifice if you go into that industry unless you turn into you know the rock <laughs> and become the biggest actor ever or like tom cruise or something and earn millions and millions generally speaking you, you it's not a particularly lucrative industry at all because it's a luxury industry you know that i think i think a really really good arts and entertainment industry is a part of a very progressed rich society do you know what i mean like you can only really afford arts and entertainment if you are already quite a wealthy society because it's it is a luxury you know it's like not important at the end of the day like i think it's important because i love it but it's not going to save lives like mm. medicine it's not going to advance this is you know advanced society in the way that tech does you know so that's why there doesn't tend to be as much money in it and there's definitely yeah a financial burden within that industry whereby you just accept that you are doing something that you love for very little money which can be i think quite difficult because i think we do live in a society whereby financial gain is a really big marker of success so when you feel like you're going into an industry where there's you're just not really going to end up making that much money even if you are successful within your field that can feel quite um i don't know it can it, you kind of it just makes you worry that you're kind of disappointing or you're not really succeeding in a way that society expects you to yeah do you know what i mean hmm. yeah it's maybe not as measurable as it is for us hmm. kind of getting a job and we know like okay, we get this much and it isn't necessarily about, you said it is kind of like a luxury and you're doing normally in the arts industry, you're doing something like you love kind of thing. Generally, yeah, that is Which is a priority <laughs> over kind of like salary. Yeah, no, you do for sure. Whereas and I think I there's a lot more in the science industry where it's the other way around. 
Yeah, no, I think so. But I mean, I think so long as you go into it with your eyes open, I think that's okay. I think the, the thing that I found really difficult is, you know, I, I do come from a family where, you know, making money was, a, you know, for my parents, that was always their priority. You know, that that's kind of what they both ended up doing. They were both in the city and they both did do very well for themselves. They worked very hard for it, but they did do well for themselves. And that's where they kind of have always been. So for me to reconcile the fact that the arts industry doesn't really, you don't really make that money. But at the same time, I have parents who have been quite financially successful. I find it really hard to reconcile those two things. Do you know what I mean? Like I find it quite difficult to know what it is that's going to make me happy. Because I think over the last few years, I kind of said right at the start of the podcast, the last two years have been a bit difficult. And I think the first couple of years out of uni are quite difficult. And I think a big part of that is working out where your priorities lie. And for me, I think one thing that I've really learned is that the thing that makes me absolutely happiest in life is spending time with my friends and my family and the people that I really, really care about. Spending time with people. And realistically, the most- Including us. uh, Of course. (laughs) Only my favorite two people. Um, But I think, you know, the way that you do that is, and the way to enjoy your time with those people, kind of a lot of the time is to be able to spend money. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, well, does that mean that my priority actually is just earning as much money as I can so that I can spend it on doing things with my friends? I don't know. Going on holiday with my friends. Wouldn't that be nice? I actually brought it up in the last episode we had. Mm -hmm. And I was actually quoting you. I didn't say your name, but I was actually referring to a conversation we had. Uh Our previous guest, she had done this study or like researched on this study about uh, what makes you happy and like I forgot the term purpose versus purpose I don't know yes yeah, oh, clearly <laughs> you guys were listening attentively go, go watch the last episode to uh, read your yeah. memory <laughs> pleasure <laughs> pleasure pleasure versus purpose yes and, okay um, yeah. yeah I brought up the fact you you once told me like to you like relationships are like the most important thing yeah and you can maybe sacrifice doing a job that maybe you don't enjoy as much but it's paying you better Mm. because you'll have that money to spend on relationships and Mm. enjoy those moments yeah I think increasingly I feel like that might be who I I because I don't know you just you don't know who you are really when you leave uni I think uni is really fun but it doesn't really set you up for life it doesn't set you up for what the workplace is going to be like and the fact that you you know you go from seeing your friends every single day at uni to suddenly being around people who you might you might really like you might not really like you don't know because you can't control it because that's what work is like and I think that I found that again, really, really difficult to deal with at at the start anyway. And I think that, yeah, that's definitely something that I've realized about myself. I had no idea how massively important my relationships are to me. Like I am at my absolute happiest when I'm with people that I really care about. (laughs) And that, that. yeah, like it's, it's incredible how much of a difference it makes. Like I remember when, uh, you know, when I was working at a production company a couple of years ago, I was having a really, really difficult time and I was really not enjoying it. And there was one week in particular where I think my parents were, were, were away and I was just at home alone and I was feeling so down. And I just remember feeling really, really dark. And then I just, one night I went out and had dinner with a friend And I just could not believe how much better it made me feel. Like just being able to talk to her and discuss it and just be around somebody who actually really cared about me and actually, you know, had my best interests at heart or whatever it was. And it was like a complete epiphany for me. I I was just like, oh my God, I've never had an experience like this where being with a friend and being with somebody who cared about you could just make me feel so much better and just so much more like myself. And I think that that was a big moment for me where I realized that that's yeah that relationships were really important and made me really really happy yeah so I don't know I mean I think that you know the arts is a wonderful thing and I think that there's so much good in it and there are a lot of really good people in it but I do think the fact that you know I know people who worked who you know at the age of kind of 
you know, 35 are still living in some pretty crappy part of London in some crappy apartment with like seven other people because they just don't have the money to be able to not even, they don't have the money to rent on their own, let alone buy their own place. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, like, do I really want to be that? Do I really want to be 35 and not being able to, you know, live, live on my own and be my own person and do all of that stuff. And I just kind of was like, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's what I want. (laughs) I don't think that's who I am. (laughs) So yeah, we'll see. The uh, Yeah. The arts is a complicated industry as well, because so much of it is based on charitable donations and the public sector. So a lot of, they're always squeezed for money. Like arts organizations are always struggling for money. And I don't think that's something that's going to change really. Yeah, you definitely have to kind of take what you're given. Like I know quite a lot of people who have gone from one job to another in the arts and have taken a pay cut to go there, mm-hmm. which I think in your industry would be completely unheard of. <laughs> like the idea in the tech industry of taking a pay cut I've to move jobs. I've a few people who've actually done that and they're a lot more happier for it because... That's uh, this thing. I mean, if you feel like you're, you're going to be way happier at the company that you're going to because it's a much mm-hmm. smaller company or something than maybe, but generally speaking in the workplace, and I think in particular in bigger industries like the financial sector or the tech industry, I don't, I don't think that that would be very common, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Whereas I think in the arts industry, it's really common to take pay cuts and to just deal with that, deal with the fact that that's the way it is. And you don't, you don't negotiate your, you don't negotiate your salary in the arts industry, generally speaking. I think you kind of get told, well, this is how much we're going to pay you and that's it. Which again, I think can be slightly different in other industries. Again, though, I would also just qualify all of this with, it depends what part of the sector you're in, what part of the industry you're in. Obviously the private sector of the film and TV and arts industry is different because I think whenever you've got private companies, they always tend to have a little bit more flexibility with what they can do. Whereas if you're public sector, arts industry, they don't have any flexibility. That's all from your experience. So if you're offended, as always, don't listen. (laughs) Hmm. Don't make you say that. Like, (laughs) let them listen if they want to listen. Yeah, but if they're going to get offended, isn't it? They might as well off. Like they have to understand its opinions and experiences. Hmm. So yeah, hopefully the viewers understand that. Listeners. Hamish, listeners. I mean, I don't know what was there to get offended by I mean, someone yeah. could easily get offended. You know, how was, what was it earlier you were saying about PC World, et cetera? Yeah, well, that was what Todd Phillips was saying, the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big up the quote. Yeah, big up the quote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just brought it up because like, you know, I thought it was quite an interesting, interesting topic in comparison between like two, like pretty different industries. Mm. And at university, that's always like in comparison, like the arts versus science and mm, oh, you're yeah. not doing a real degree kind of thing, that kind of, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that gets thrown around. The thing is, I absolutely loved my degree. Like, I really, really enjoyed my degree. I do think now, sometimes in hindsight, do I wish I did something different? Sometimes I do. And sometimes I'm like, no, look, at the end of the day, I had an amazing three years. Loved going to all my lectures and seminars. And that was a a really important thing at university to kind of enjoy what you're doing. And yeah, I I feel like it kind of played to my strengths at the time. But, you know, now obviously it would be really useful if I had like a maths degree or, you know, a computer science degree or something like that if I was trying to make more money. But, you know, I think to be honest with you, I think it's going to be an ongoing battle. I think for most people, you know, I feel like when people leave university, there's kind of this like, oh, so what are you going to do? And I think even now, and I'm sure for many years to come, I think I'm always going to be like, oh, I don't know. Do I want to do that? Or do I want to do this? I'm not quite sure. You know, like you go back and forth all the time and everyone says, all the media say that we are going to be a generation that has many different careers, many different paths. You know, we're not going to be the kind of generation that kind of gets a job when they're 21 and just stays there for like 30 years. I just don't think we're going to be like that. We're going to jump around a lot more and we're going to switch it up a lot more. 
So it's going to be quite different, I think, from what our parents' generation. Yeah, I think that's like. partly why like, I'm taking a bit of a break right now, just so I can figure out hmm. and just really think about what I want to do next. Hmm. Well, and also the beauty for you is you do have a huge amount of flexibility, both in terms of your options. I feel like because you are so good at what you do and you've had so much amazing experience, you do have you know, the choice of saying you know, you can kind of dictate what you want to do right now. And also on top of that, you also have the option of doing work remotely, which is very useful actually, when you're trying to just take a bit of time and have flexible working hours and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's quite a luxury, I think. Yeah. It's, it's good for a little while working remotely, but I think long term it's, yeah, it does get a bit lonely. Yeah. I can imagine that. Even days where like say, you know, a lot of people are out of the office or something. I do tend to find that just not talking to somebody for a long period of time. Like if you're yeah. just sitting there in front of a computer for a few hours, I definitely start to feel myself, I don't know, like miss that human interaction, almost get a bit tired, get a bit down. I don't know. You, I, I almost feel it like tangibly. I think I'm in the opposite. I recently appreciate not having as much because I feel like there's too much human interaction for me. So when I'm working remotely, the moment I'm like off pause or whatever, like I feel like it's a lot nicer to just work. And so when, even in like December, like, um, I remember last year, like, I was, like, the, one of the few people in an office, and it was just a nice environment to be in, like, a nice calm, and just, you know, I could just work so efficiently, like, mm. and it just felt, it just felt less pressure, I don't know why, I don't, I'm not exactly saying I feel pressure, I'm just saying, like, it just felt nice to work, and, but I do understand, like, sometimes you need to see people, I just don't think you need to see it every single day of your life. I know what you mean, I do, I mean, obviously, when there are less people around, mm. there's just, so, there are less distra distractions, mm. like, it's just perfectly logical, isn't it? But yeah, I definitely think a life... Or a working life whereby you have no interaction with humans would be really, really hard, you know, just because yeah. I just think that's what fellow human beings are what li make life worth living, really. You know, if, if there were no other humans around, you'd just be like, oh, this is a bit rubbish, isn't it? It's a bit boring, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that's, 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 yeah. I just think that human interaction can be so important, you know. Yeah. And going back to your point where you were saying how you don't find many people these days who are like get a job at 21 and maybe stay for it mm. like the rest of life. I've actually thought about that quite a lot in the last year or so. Like <clears throat> I thought, see, I, I think I feel like I'm quite a loyal person. Mm -hmm. Like when I, in like, when it comes to like where I live, football team, I sport, relationships, people, the company I work for. Once I work for that company, I'm quite, I feel like a loyalty towards them and almost I, oh, I feel bad for leaving kind of thing. Mm. But also at the same time, I feel like I get bored after I'm at like a company for maybe a year and I just kind of want to, I don't know, try something different. I quite like the idea. I thought like it crossed my mind, like just doing internships my whole life, like just <laughs> year long internships. That, to be honest, year. again, in the tech industry, that probably could actually be fairly lucrative because yeah. they pay quite well for their interns. You, so you could do that. You could just try to remain as a contractor if you want. Yeah. The problem with the contractor though is you are probably working remotely a lot of the time. But then and I do like being in an office and being with people and yeah. Stuff, yeah not necessarily but also the thing is with if you don't want to work at a place for at least a year you're gonna have issues maybe trying to get like a mortgage or something like down the line yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah, true yeah. it so would it would make your life quite you complicated actually, yeah, try to be yeah. a perm it, it was kind be. of like a i felt like unless i owned the company and had like a real Sergio. um had a real uh like saying it and part of me that would motivate you yeah that's yeah. like you want that to do really well or i had like a high role in some company that i was really passionate about and really made a difference kind of thing mm. that would be like something i think i could stay at long term whereas if i'm just playing like a bit part role at some random company that does some random thing mm. and it's I, really making a difference it's interesting because i get that too like i worry that i get bored in roles um too quickly and i don't know whether that is like a marker of 
our generation just not being very patient yeah. or having expectations like you know absurdly high expectations or because we're bombarded like on LinkedIn for example I feel like because you're constantly bombarded with people and like, people doing so many different things people doing really really well so many different jobs like every day I get new notifications about so many different jobs and I just feel like you know, the world around us makes us feel like we need to be moving quickly and we need to be moving on quickly and being promoted yeah. quickly and all the rest of it. And when I talked to my parents about that, they were just like, oh, it, it just wasn't like that when we were young. You know, you didn't, you just kind of fell into it. You kind of fell into whatever job you did and you took what opportunities came your way, but everything moved much slower and you didn't have these expectations, which I think young people do now. And I think that in so many ways, I think that actually sounds so much nicer because I am like always stressed out about my professional life. Always. I'm constantly questioning my decisions. I'm constantly thinking, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Like, am I moving fast enough am I you know am I ready for a promotion should I be a manager by now whatever it may be yeah. and I find that kind of, that's really stresses me out it's just like so much information all the time and I just think that you know for our parents generation they just didn't have that kind of overthinking all the time they just chilled a little bit yeah. more I think something <laughs> sorry to cut you off, I think a part that played in that plays in that is that everything is changing so fast now yeah and we're before they were used to like I guess slowly changing but now it's like everything changing so fast and everyone wants to be with it so mm. the moment we're asked to have patience like i even see myself like maybe patience means a year to someone else but for me patience could be like maybe a couple of weeks and we'll get things moving you know what i mean so mm. i like things happening like maybe you snap my fingers and we're suddenly we're trying to make this happen so i do understand the point of like yeah we're just not patient because we're so we're used to a world that's been changing so so quick yeah whereas think, they yeah. the change happened for them i guess like for example our parents generation has happened way more later in their life so after like they've learned what they learned but we've been learning changing and as it goes so we have to keep keep up with the current times and mm. it's built into us versus for them that's a big that's a whole new learning curve for them yeah i think it's so true i think i, I don't think it's healthy though i think yeah. that's one of the reasons that our generation do struggle quite a lot and i think you know we have seen a huge influx of mental health problems as well and an awareness around that and i i do wonder whether all of that all of what you just said kind of plays into that because I, I do not think of myself as a particularly anxious person by nature. But in the last couple of years, I have definitely found myself feeling very anxious about things in my professional life in particular and feeling really down about things. And uh, I do think all of that plays into, you know, what, what you just said and this feeling of just like this really fast paced life whereby we should be moving at like a million miles an hour. And if you're not, then you're not doing well enough. You know, and it's it is quite hard. I think it's not it's not easy to live like that. I don't think there's like comparison as well, like just comparing yourself to other people. Oh who, yeah, like as you said earlier on, like comparing yourself to your friends and they're doing so well, it kind of makes you feel like oh maybe I should be doing just as well or not better. Mm. Like just to kind of and then how do you quantify that? Like yeah, how yeah. do you quantify what what that even means? Like because you could be doing really really well, but in a completely different area. And but yeah, because you do have that constant comparison and this constant awareness of what like every single person you've ever met is doing. That's really stressful. Yeah, like with social media and LinkedIn, yeah. as you said, you know what everyone is doing. Again, like well, I, not to go what like I love my parents very much, which is why I talk about them <laughs> too much. But they again, like when they were young, they probably knew what like their best friend down the road 
was doing as a job and maybe like a couple of other people from school and then that would be it generally speaking yeah. because they would they would stay in touch with a few friends they'd know what they were doing they'd meet up with them every couple of weeks and that would be it but now we, literally every single person we've pretty much ever <laughs> met we know what job they have we know where they live we know what you know promotion they've just had and that's that's like information overload i think people just try to flex too much or like try to show show off i guess um maybe i mean you know and and to be fair though i don't have an issue with people doing that because i think it's Mm -hmm. great when people are proud of what Mm -hmm. they're doing and they and they're proud of the success they're garnering and i think that everyone i know is is being very successful in their own right it's just that it's really hard to compare success like for like like we were just saying about the arts industry you know you could be doing really really well in terms of you know if you work in tv for example you could be working on the biggest show in tv which is fantastic like that's a hard gig to get but you might be earning half as much as somebody you know who's working in a bank and so you kind of go well how do I quantify what what success really means and I think you have to kind of break it down and go no okay well this is what it means to me yeah and that's how you have to kind of rationalize it in your head but that's hard to do I think yeah yeah so I see I do see like a lot like external validation means so much more than like I guess internal so what I try to do is like I, I basically only use social media to kind of like look at like animal vids and pics like that's all I do at Twitter like <laughs> yeah. Dalmatians yep. like, his favorite Dalmatians <laughs> like I'm, I'm just I just don't really care about like that many uh, if you're close to me I'll care like I'm happy if you're doing good if you're not doing good do mm. something about it but then I don't really care about all these like hundreds of other people I'm just like you know that's like that's like things I don't need to hear like and it's not doing me any favors so yeah we're not really giving you happiness like you don't really need to hear it and as long as I'm doing what I need for myself can't you use it though? Like, I, f- I feel like I use it more as like motivation. If I Do see you? someone else doing well. And what, so, oh, okay. So if you see somebody doing well, that makes you go, okay, yeah, I've got to work hard. I yeah. want to be doing well as well. So competition, yeah. like I like competition, but there's just some people I don't care about competing with. Does that make sense? Like, it, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's competing. You know I mean? Like, like don't, I, don't get me wrong. I love being competitive and just chatting shit like uh, with <laughs> regards to that. But I just don't see the need for it. Like, or like when people do things for the gram, I'm not sure you've heard the saying like, they may just buy, like, for example, they may buy the most expensive trainers out and they'll be like, oh, this oh, this is why I'm successful. But that may not mean, as you said, success to someone else. They may just mean... Yeah. Like, I mean, actually, that's one of the things that I learned quite young is that... Because I think that success can often look very superficial, you know. So mm-hmm. you see somebody driving down the street in a really expensive sports mm-hmm. car or something, you're like, oh my God, they must be so successful. Mm-hmm. But you never know. They might have put their life's savings mm-hmm. into that car. Or it could have been a gift. You yeah, or know. it could have been a gift. And they actually could have absolutely nothing in the bank. Yeah. And you kind of... So, so often, you, you know, you can never judge other people... Um, based on what you see, you know, mm-hmm. because, because, you know, it, it, success is yeah. so much, it's, it's, it's not skin deep, you know, yeah. it's a lot more than that. And I think that it, yeah, it's, it's important to try and take yourself out of it though. I think it's great mm-hmm. that you feel motivated by mm-hmm. those kind of things. And I think that's brilliant for you, but I think for a lot of people, it probably, probably just gets them down quite a lot, to yeah, be honest. So I think sometimes it does for me anyway. You just don't live your life by someone else's measure of success. Maybe that hopefully people start doing that. Mm. I mean, I think ideally that would definitely be what everybody <laughs> ideally. does. <laughs> ideally, yeah. There are a lot of ideals. But I think really, as we said earlier, like success is, if you're happy, that's success. Mm. Like, especially that's with one like, person, yeah. If you're like with your relationships and stuff like that, I think that's the main, well, for me anyway, success is like, I don't know, just being happy and... And then it's finding... Having good know, relationships with people. And learning what satisfies you. Yeah. You know, like, because some, some people will find satisfaction in something that I would just be like, oh, no, no, no I would not care about that mm-hmm. at all. You know, so I think it is. Yeah, I think it's about finding happiness and satisfaction in whatever it is that you're doing. I think it just takes a long time to learn what it is that will 
what will that will bring you that that's the thing that i found quite difficult is just learning what it is that's going to bring me happiness and satisfaction yeah for sure anything else you want to add hamish before we uh start to round up yeah i was gonna but then i forgot like literally 10 seconds ago and so <laughs> i bet that was the most important point of the podcast as well probably not but i'm glad we just i guess said like you know don't measure your success based on someone else's measure of success find what you define to be success but if it is yeah. someone else's measure of success go ahead and use it but don't really just do it just because someone else says it's going to be make you happy yeah definitely well said hamish <laughs> that's the only thing i said well <laughs> can't you read off my goddamn phone <laughs> <laughs> okay so we now move on to our final questions so these are three questions that so we always end with almost end the episode with three questions mm-hmm. i'll go for the first one okay so we got if you could listen to one song forever what would it be can i say this is an impossibly hard question I'm very unhappy not, about did it. Did you not send her this to prepare? No, no, he did. But, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but even at the time when he sent it, I was just like, oh my God, what a hard question. I think we should change that to album probably soon because I No, I don't like... think that helps either. Do, uh, I mean, album, and to yeah. be honest, it probably wouldn't change my, my answer that much. People are going to judge or just me. one of your favorite songs. I, th- I feel like, I don't know, there was one song you, I remember you saying that's one song you could always listen to. Oh, what was that? Twist and Shout. That is a great song, to be fair. To be fair, there were three There were three songs that kind of come to mind immediately. Twist and Chat probably is one of them, because that is a damn good song um, by the Beatles. And then I always I heard it through the grapevine, you know? Yeah. Marvin Gaye. I don't know what it is about that song, but I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is a banging tune. And then the third one, which everyone's going to judge me for so badly, and this one probably would be an album, actually, if I could. It would be the 1975's okay, <laughs> yeah, debut album, which is called The 1975, just like self-titled. I know it sounds really sad and loads of people will just be like, oh no, they're rubbish. But like, honestly, I was 17 when I, or 16, 17 when I first started listening to their music and that first album and their early EPs just re, I don't know what it is. They just really clicked with me, like really, really clicked. And um, I just, I listened to it like incessantly, that first album of the 1975. And yeah, I don't know, even now, if if I don't know what I feel like listening to, that will be the go-to album for me. Like I'll just stick it on and I'll just really enjoy listening to it. So pretty much anything on that album i mean chocolate's obviously like iconic yeah <laughs> the big song well they were, they were, when it first broke through they were pretty big now don't really hear i actually think they're them. getting bigger and bigger like oh, really yeah. maybe i'm just having you know the to... um the brit awards yeah obviously you know the brit awards yeah. <laughs> they did really well this year like okay. the 1975 yeah they won more awards this year than they've ever won before so yeah. they're actually getting bigger and bigger and better and better in some ways although i think their most recent work is a bit questionable but no for me that first album of theirs is always going to be so it's going to have a special play in place in my 17 year old heart you know why are they called in 1975 oh it's a really silly story apparently matty healy who's the lead singer went away on holiday to like greece or something one one year okay. <laughs> and he like made friends with like an old man who sold second-hand books <laughs> on the holiday okay. and apparently at the end of the week the old man gave him a book and was like i want you to have this as a gift from me you know because we've got on so well and uh, apparently matty healy opened the book and in the front cover it said in it was handwritten the 1975 and he was just like oh that's so profound that's so <laughs> profound using the using that article the definite article and that's that's literally the story he tells and i'm always like mm, as far as a naming a band goes that's a pretty bad story yeah. <laughs> but oh well he stuck with it and he literally just saw saw it and was just like oh that sounds cool <laughs> and that's it he just like adds all the paraphernalia of meeting this old man and the secondhand books and all of that the rest of it is it's pretty pointless really going to expose hamish a bit and Uh-oh. your second song choice Marvin Gaye. Hamish didn't know who Marvin Gaye was until about <gasps> three years ago. 
Really? You didn't know? Oh, fuck. <laughs> to be fair, I really like what was Ain't No Mountain. I, that one I love listening Ain't to. Ain't No Mountain High Enough. That's because yeah. of Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Not because he introduced me to it. It's because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, great. The great tunes in those films, honestly. They pick them so well. But yeah, no, Marvin Gaye is great. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people didn't. A lot of young people probably don't know who Marvin Gaye is. That's like very different to my music taste. So like my music taste, like it's only here occasionally that I would actually yeah die, like take a few songs from another thing yeah like suits helps me introduce me to a completely different set of music for example mm. which is nice that's what it's, what it's all about isn't it i mean to be yeah. fair i'm sure there are so many people you would be like <laughs> amazed that i didn't know from the genre of music i wouldn't you listen to. no not necessarily well i feel like a lot of the music you listen to is probably quite new quite recent oh, okay. quite current and to be honest i'm not really down with current music i feel like much. the stuff that is at least global that you'd know like that prior to i guess the new stuff like you would know but mm. maybe not just mm. Do you know the 1975 at all? No. Not even a little bit? I feel bit. like I've heard it or I've seen it on O2 Priority or something like that. Too I feel like Aaron probably only knows them because of me. Because <laughs> I, I was obsessed with them. I don't know. I feel like... You're pretty with it, it, it with music. Before, it was before uni, right? 1975 they, they They broke through. So the first time I, like I went to see form. them, the yeah. first time I went to see them was in 2013. 2012? 2013. Um, when I went down to Brighton and saw them in the Concord 2, which is this tiny little venue, standing venue. There were literally like a couple hundred people in the room or something because they literally had only just... Yeah. become something and I kind of knew them before they even brought out their first album and then suddenly within a year they were playing at Alexandra Palace and they were massive yeah. so I think they had this really quick trajectory where they suddenly just became massive or or pretty big anyway not not massive enough for Hamish to know them but pretty big <laughs> just because they're massive doesn't mean I'll know them it's, no, just... it's true it's true no, I, I listened to them when they first broke through and they were mm. top of the album was top of the charts mm. for a while mm. They're a funny one. I feel like, you know, they are definitely a bit of a Marmite band. Like a lot of people do not like them and don't really respect their music that much. But I do think actually in recent, the, the album they brought out last year, a lot of people I know who weren't fans of the 1975 to begin with, even they turned around and they were like, okay, no, that, that oh, album nice. is pretty good. They just named their album such ridiculous things. 1976. <laughs> no the most no the, the the one they brought out last year was called a brief inquiry into online relationships <laughs> and I'll like a lot of people are like what <laughs> if it makes you feel better about me not knowing 1975 yeah, exactly. i didn't know who oh, oasis was till do, anna do, i was gonna say do you want to know what they called their second album no anyone any guesses it's i thought it was a rhetorical question it's called i like it when you sleep for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it it's a fucking poem. That exactly. It's a poem. I know. That is the whole title of the album. And I, I, even yeah. I was like, come on, guys. Like, you're not doing yourself any favors here, are you? <laughs> oh, well, never mind. I love, I love their music. So, you know, that's, that's my one. They are my band. What can I say? <laughs> Question two. If you had the chance to make a documentary, what would it be about? I really didn't give that one enough thought at all. <laughs> I feel like you should have said, Gina, make sure you think about this one a lot. I mean, that's why we sent them to you. I know. I know. I <laughs> we know. could switch the question if you want. No, I th I think that's a really really good question. Have you guys thought about these questions? Have I you answered the first these time questions? I've seen it. Oh really? So if you, <laughs> so, do you guys know what you would do if you could make a documentary? No idea. <laughs> no, I, I haven't actually thought about it that much. I, I I heard the question on another podcast. I think and I thought it was pretty good. I mean, so. I expect I would probably make something film really boring and film related. You know, like you know how. Martin Scorsese came to be one of the most impressive filmmakers of his generation. Do you know what I mean? I'd probably do something that for a lot of people would be really dull. Um, I Obviously, ideally, you always think it would be great to make a documentary that would be like highly politicized and really relevant. Like I was telling Aaron earlier, I went to see a documentary last night called um, 
Midnight Traveler. And it was a really hard hitting documentary about this family who had to flee from Afghanistan um, because they were basically had like a um, a death sentence put over their heads from the Taliban. And it's this family of a, a dad and a mom and their, and their two little girls. And it's a phenomenal documentary and I would totally recommend you see it. But, you know, I, I just would never have the capability mm-hmm. to make something like that, I don't think. You know, I mean, I'd, I would love to do something Assume like that. Assume it comes out of the best um quality like do you know what you the topic would be or like what it would be around if you if, you well, if i was idea. doing something really serious like anything that. like i can give you an idea of what i think i would do just based on reading the question what would you do so basically um i feel like at least in this country like um, maybe we should just do it on mindsets like or something along the mindsets or like people coming up from different backgrounds there's different factors that affect them whether it's because not one documentary would show like every single factor it would just show one part of a factor that affects someone their life when they grow up on it mm-hmm. so i want to show like the politics affect them in this way. The the changes they made in the system start kicking into their life in this way. Um, the decisions they made in their life like made this, and they the people around them help shape their life to become mm. how they become in their life. So I'd like to just whether it's like by about myself or someone else. Like I just want to like show how in depth someone else's mind can run, even though you only know like one part of it or so. Mm. That sounds really interesting. So, so, considering you only just came up with that, that actually sounds quite yeah. impressive. No, sounds like you put a lot I've of had, I have that. so many things in my mind that I always want to get out. So like, I feel like that just based on that, like I know that I want to do something. I think something that's quite close to my heart right now, which I feel very, very strongly about is um, I feel like there's a sense of, I think there's a slight lack of kindness in society right now, whereby I, because I we're such a divided society politically, um, you know, I think that people feel like they really need to take sides. And I think that they need to be really, they feel like they need to be really vitriolic in taking that side. And I think that that's a really, really sad thing that we're seeing in society right now. And I think what what really matters is not necessarily going on marches or joining protests, but actually just treating the person sitting next to you with kindness. You know, like, char- I, I really believe in that saying, like, charity starts at home. And I, I just feel like, I don't know, with a lot of people I come across, I just feel like they don't, they don't really think about that. You know, like, they... They're, they're really quick to go out and protest about the really big issues. But when it comes to just being really kind to somebody, you know, who's really, who's next to them, they just yeah. don't really think about it. And they're not very considerate and not very conscientious yeah. about that. And, you know, in so many ways, I would quite like to delve into that right now within society, looking at the way that those divisions are creating hostility and potentially leading to a society where, you know, people don't treat each other with, with kindness anymore. I think that would be a big thing for me. And it's that's kind of relevant to Joker as well, because I feel like that's quite a big theme in the film of Joker is I know that there's a lot going on there, but essentially he is kind of saying like the reason I've been pushed over the edge is because people are just so mean to each other. People are so Mm -hmm. harsh to each other. People are so quick to judge each other. And I think that that's, that's a real shame. You know, I would, I would actually watch that because um, I noticed that, for example, I think I've said in the past, I'm not sure if I said it on, on air. So Oh, when I went to America, like everyone seemed to be like so, so kind, at least maybe in the part of San Francisco we were in, like everyone was just so nice. Like I thought it was like an act or something. Yeah. Well, Did this thing, some people, uh, British people do are just like, what, why are you talking to me like that? Like, what are you I'm trying like, to get out yeah, of Yeah, we're me? not used to it. Yeah, yeah like that's, <laughs> yeah. What, that, that's what I was like when I first went. And yeah. I, was, I was in shock. I'm like, and then obviously like their dogs come running off to play and everything. I'm just like, mm. what is going on? Like, maybe am I like, have I been like, even when I came to Warwick, I was surprised at how kind people were just normally to one another whereas i'll be like go about my day come back yeah and then that is like everyone you go along the way like i remember when when i was working in them as well you'd be like saying morning to everyone yeah. if you're just out that early you just say morning along to the people that live there and i was just like 
That's one of the things I love in the countryside, actually, because where yeah. I live, it is quite countryside. And if you're ever on a walk, mm-hmm. you you always say yeah. good morning and hello to anyone you pass. Like, and it's it, a thing. In the countryside, you have to do it. Yeah. And then you go into the city and people, like, people, not only do they not <laughs> yeah. say good morning, they actually, like, actively avoid even looking yeah. at you. They're like, oh, my God, I can't look at that person. We can't, you know, it's yeah. like there's such a self-consciousness mm-hmm. in the city, which I just think, yeah, it's not very nice. It's a bit of a shame, really, Yeah, so, it? like, in the countryside, I noticed that they'll they just put a smile on anyway, yeah. say, how are you doing? Hope you're well, et cetera. Like, that's, like, a big... If, if I heard that every morning, who knows? Maybe it would be, like, a hell of a lot better day automatically. Yeah. Instead of just something to watch my comedy. Like, maybe if I was just speaking to the person next to the train, not going to happen. Would <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I feel like it's a completely different mentality and it should be maybe it should be tried i don't know how ever if it would ever work in london at least now because of how saturated it's become i know it just so. becomes so kind of endemic within society i suppose but yeah i but i think that's what i would work on anyway as a documentary piece trying to look at yeah. kindness within society and the divisions and the hostility that's developing yeah. i'd like you know. to be invited to the pr- premiere or you know the first screening of it Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your invitation you. will be in the post. <laughs> Don't post, you worry. <laughs> we're twenty first century. We got to send it directly to my phone. Yep. No, it's going to be in the post. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I'd I'd probably just do something similar to this, like maybe like go around the world and just doing a documentary on like people's lives. Yeah. As in, you have one person, like it'd be like a series kind of thing, and you have one person, and you just find their story out. Mm. And then explore their story and how they got where they are, kind of thing. Whether that's good or bad, or if they're successful. I, th- or unsuccessful. I think there's something so fascinating about that, you know, because you know it is hard to really, really understand and get to grips with how different people live their lives across the world. And I do think that documentary and film is a huge part of being able to understand that. So I actually think that's a really good idea. You know, I mean, me watching this documentary yesterday about this refugee family yeah. making this journey across across Europe and across the Middle East. You know, I found that incredibly eye-opening, you know, like massively to see what these people were going through. It kind of, it had quite a profound effect on me. And I think that can be the power of documentaries and, and film. I think it's going to be such a fantastic thing in that way. Yeah. So our third and final question, this is a question we ask every single episode. Mm. So we, uh, <laughs> we ask, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? You mean from the last two hours? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you, can say, you can say the last two hours or i don't know a point where you've been the third wheel or someone's third wheel due oh right okay yeah. oh well we have one great... oh yeah this isn't a question like asking oh, what's I your don't... best experience on this episode <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, I was no. just like, well i liked it when amish said dalmatian weirdly <laughs> that was a highlight <laughs> and don't even get me started on venal or whatever it was <laughs> yeah that was great oh i had a funny time once in third year third year university um Matt, who is my boyfriend, and I um, were going out on the 5th of November to go to Kenilworth Castle for the fireworks. And we were like, oh, it's going to be like a nice romantic evening, you know, just the two of us. It's going to be lovely. Um, And then um, he's been mentioned earlier in the show, Mr. Joseph Wheatley, who uh, obviously I was very (laughs) much doing radio with and is doing very well now for himself. He decided to just kind of tag along. to our romantic fireworks night so we were there watching the fireworks me and Matt holding hands like really really sweet and romantic and then suddenly I just I just see Joe next to me just like (laughs) breathing really heavily looking up at the fireworks with me and I'm just like Hmm, this is not as romantic as I thought it would be, you know? I thought it was great. Like, it was wonderful. He he takes it in his stride so much, but I just thought it was really funny. It's just like the three of us just standing there watching these fireworks on a cold 5th of November. So that was a great, that was a great night. I think wonderful. there was a Balti one. So it was like you and Matt 
And then it was like Gina and James and it was just us two. Yeah. Hey, you guys are a great couple. I'd go on any way. couple's night out with you two. No, Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. And the next segment, I guess, that we have now is it's a new one. So we're going to introduce a call out. So you can now call out a guest essentially to come on in a future episode. We'll try to approach them if they wish to come on. Mm. So if anyone does, that you have in mind that we, that you want to call out to come on here, a bit like the Ice Bucket Challenge as Aaron described yeah, it to you. Yeah. I think that's a great one. And there are so many people that spring to mind. Um, I think, I, you know, I'm going to call out Dharma too. That's who I'm going to call oh, out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The big the big man himself. I feel like he's already had, he's already had a call out, hasn't he, on the... Uh, no, he's already gonna. Ha- he's already episodes, had a shout yeah. out on yeah, James's episode, out. and now I'm gonna. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say Dharma Two should come on here. Who? I don't know who this is yet. Oh, see, well, Dar was another person who lived. I think he's another one who lived yeah, with us he- in first year, and then he went off and lived with the boys uh, in second and third year. But uh, yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he would be a good guest. You know, I think he yeah. could, get, could get some good stuff out of him. So already, I already been in talk to Dar. So oh, so that that works very well then, doesn't if you're it? Listening, Dar, then. Yeah, we can organize something. <laughs> okay, and now the final section is just a shout out. So you can shout out anything, whether it's your social media, something you've been working on, a song or a film recently. People should check out a restaurant. So, Oh, if only I was that creative, you know? Uh, to be honest, the biggest shout I already did was my probably my favorite film of 2019 with eight, was 8th Grade. Like I would definitely recommend anyone... Anyone who's interested in film in any way, I would definitely recommend that film. And especially if you've ever been a teenage girl. <laughs> for me, I just found Aaron. it. Yeah, Aaron. So this is one for, <laughs> this is one for you. Um, I just found it a fantastic film to watch. It's just it's probably a teenage girl. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was just a brilliant film. It was a brilliant watch, and I would definitely recommend it to anyone. And you don't have to be a teenage girl to enjoy it and relate to it and think it's fantastic. It's just it's just really good. Everything about it. So. Any upcoming films that you think? Oh. people should maybe check out I mean one uh, The Irishman which is obviously Martin Scorsese's new one which is why he's in the news so much at the moment it's hefty it's three and a half hours long but it is very good it's okay. very very good especially if you like that mobster gangster kind of film that he's known for it's a very very good film and then I think there another Netflix film I'm really looking forward to is Marriage Story which yeah. we talked about at one point Aaron like it's it, that one looks like it's going to be a really good film and then finally Finally, there's a new film with uh, Daniel Craig coming out in the next couple of weeks called Knives Out. It is basically an Agatha Christie style whodunit. But honestly, you have not seen Daniel Craig in a role like this. He is hilarious. He is so funny in it. So I would definitely recommend going to see that as well. (laughs) So I guess my shout out is going to be for um, a song made by Rams recently. By the time this comes out, it's going to be a few weeks old. It's going to be think twice about suicide, and especially in today's day of mental health and everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like that needs to be heard, and maybe you should just try to understand the message in it. So please think twice. Yeah, think twice. Nice. Uh, yeah, my shout out is going to be a little. Um, I don't know what I don't know how to phrase it, but um, it's called Team Trees. And if you've ever, if you know of the YouTuber called Mr Beast, do you know of him? No, but I don't know anything about YouTube because I'm an old lady. Okay, a lot of so, influencers joined in. So. Yeah, yeah. So Mr. Beast, he's a YouTuber with 25.7 million subscribers. Wow. And, yeah, quite, I, probably, I probably should know. That's only a couple million less than us. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so he partnered with the largest non-profit tree planting organization in the world Aww. and created a website called Team Trees where you can donate every dollar you donate is a tree planted. And to date, they've planted over 12 million trees. Some people, so Elon Musk donated a million trees. Uh, the CEO of Shopify, Toby Lutke, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, 
donate to the million and one trees. I think that's just so you can be Elon Musk and be like top of the table. <laughs> um, but it's a really cool initiative that's really like took over social media like a couple of weeks ago and like loads of people were jumping onto it. And it's pretty cool. Pretty cool website and you can just donate a dollar and like plant a tree and all. And yeah. It's kind of relevant. Or in, anything like, you can. Yeah, kind of relevant it's, in today's kind of yeah, news. it is. I feel like that could have been a whole other topic, you know, what's it, been going on with that. But you've seen the paper recently, like the number of celebrities who are like involved with environmentalist charities, but then they fly like 8,000 miles yeah. a year or something and their carbon footprint is like 100 times bigger than the average person. And you just kind of go, right, well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, there was one, <laughs> I think Lewis Hamilton came out like not long ago and yeah. said something about you should all be like be vegan or something. My dad got so angry about this. And, like, he's a Formula One <laughs> driver. So yeah, he's Formula One. Driving. That is like the most environmentally unfriendly sport in the world. And on top of that, he had a private jet until very recently. But, yeah. you know, at least he's a vegan, you know. <laughs> you well done, Lewis. You the electric version. So I know there's electric, like, formula, same type of cars, but it's electric. But I, he, he isn't going to win, though, is he? No, Probably not. <laughs> I think he wants that seventh championship title, yeah, doesn't he? He, he wants to beat Michael Schumacher. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I think he's going to be keeping the petrol car for now. Yeah. Or diesel. I don't know what they use. I know. Maybe he can do it until he beats record and he's like, you know what? now i'll go electric <laughs> yeah yeah now that i've done what i wanted to do now i'll go electric yeah, yeah. brilliant thanks lewis no i don't know i said no i think that's a great charity idea yeah awesome. well done. so yeah protein energy episode thank you gina for coming on thank you very much for having me it's been a joy i hope you've had a good time and yeah hope everyone listening has enjoyed the episode hamish any last thoughts I oh, know it's been a really good episode. Like I mean, you just keep talking and talking, which is so easy. <laughs> yeah, for sorry us. about that. <laughs> no, no, you just—it makes it so easy for us. Like you're just going off on tangents, and I'm like, okay, I don't have to transition. Like, I know it's yeah, wonderful. Makes it's, me, you know, yeah. and next time I come on, it's going to be even better. Bet you can't wait. Oh, you want the next time already? <laughs> I wonder, do you think you're going to get to a point where you just run out of people and you just have to start yeah. inviting the same ones back? Oh, no, but 100%. we do have like part two, like in mind for a couple of people that we didn't finish discussing what we other things that we had in mind because yeah. we obviously scoff on whatever tangent we do yeah we often but, come to recording finishing and we're like oh shit we didn't mention this yeah, and this yeah. and this so one day down the line yes yeah. I can't guarantee we'll be in the near future yeah and speaking of if anyone <laughs> listening wants to be a guest you can get in contact with us really don't feel like yeah. Especially shy to message episode. or anything if you do want to don't have to as well like it's totally up to you but we'll take anyone so. I can recommend <laughs> to anyone it's really good fun you should yeah. get in touch now <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. So, yeah, speak to you next episode. Have a good day. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye.